ShotGlassDigital.com. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks and their new Cosmic Cupcakes. To learn more, go to littledebbie.com forward slash Cosmic Cupcakes. With movies, gaming, books, comics, and collecting, a Little Debbie snack makes everything a little sweeter. Little Debbie, official snack of the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Basking in the afterglow of a successful and happy May the 4th holiday. And still reeling from the Episode 7 cast announcements here at Rebel Force Radio. We are excited for all Star Wars things on the horizon. Including Star Wars Weekends. Where we'll be conducting the very first ever Disney Star Wars Weekends Rebel Force Radio listener meetup. We'll have more on that later on in this show. Hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here with you. and Welcome to Rebel Force Radio for May 9th, 2014. Jason Swank would have been here with us this week, but Jason is under the weather. So uh, he has no voice and he has about a million things on his plate. I don't know how he's going to achieve everything, but let's just send positive vibes to Jason via the force and everything will be okay. Jason will be back with us very soon here at rebel force radio to sit back in his co-hosting chair. But for now I'm flying solo. I don't even have a hairy Wookiee co-pilot, but we got some friends showing up later on in the show. Paul Bateman will be checking in to talk about the star Wars casting announcement and Steve Glosson from Geek Out Loud will be stopping by also to uh, do a little Star Wars and pop culture, talk about our big Disney trip, and so much more. Right now, I'm in a holding pattern, actually. I'm uh, standing by. I'm about ready to go on the air at WGN Radio. Longtime listeners of the show know that my wife, Wendy, is the midday host at WGN Radio here in Chicago with her partner, Bill Leff. It's the Bill and Wendy show, heard weekdays from 9 a.m. till noon on uh, 7.20 a.m. WGN here in Chicago. You can listen online. Just go to WGNRadio.com. And they are expecting me to call them in a few minutes to talk about all the exciting news that's been happening in the Star Wars universe lately and In the meantime, you know, I did mention this before on a previous show that whenever Wendy has guests on her show, I always try to find a Star Wars connection. And just recently, Greg Proops appeared on the Bill and Wendy show. And hardcore Star Wars fans know that Greg Proops is actually one half of the two-headed pod race announcing duo of Fode and Bede. I can't remember if he plays Fode or Bede. 
Hmm. But uh, yeah, he uh, stopped into the studio. I guess he was uh, in Chicago to uh, perform some live stand-up comedy, and he stopped in the studio to talk to Bill and Wendy, and I, of course, passed along the information, the Star Wars connection between Greg Proops and the wars and i uh, told wendy this just moments before he came on the air with them so uh so let's see what that was all about when wendy brought up star wars to comedian actor greg proops bill f and wendy snyder and into the studio comes greg proops one of the funniest guys that we've ever met ever ever he's at the up comedy club this week how are you greg i'm good bill how are you welcome back thank you hello wendy hello greg i am very excited you were uh, a voice in star wars my husband is a star wars fan and i i get this text how old is he nine yes <laughs> yes i'm a cougar i married you <laughs> you made greg choking on my water you did a spit take you're I, drinking I, water but milk came out of your nose how did you do that? I am the Danny Thomas method. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Tanoose is coming Thank you for remembering Danny. Uncle Tanoose! <laughs> uh, Every episode. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm doing my podcast tomorrow uh, at the Up Comedy Theater. I was the voice of uh, Fode, the Padres announcer in Star Wars. And my buddy Scott Capri was the other one who speaks Bede. in Hatties, Bede. Yeah. Very exciting. There's right, an action figure of Greg. <laughs> of there is, mouth. with a Fode. ugly green head. And uh, I've done all the subsequent video games. We did another one last year, I think. Oh, that's cool. Or the year before. That yeah. must be fun. Yeah. So there you have it. I kind of got thrown under the bus a little bit, but that's okay. My fierce passion for the wars and serious fandom will override that any day of the week. So, uh, you know what? It's about that time. I'm supposed to check in with Bill and Wendy's producer over at WGN Radio, Stephanie. So uh, let me punch her up here on the line. Let me see. How do I do this? Jimmy. Hey. This is really exciting. I've heard so much about you and I've never talked with you. Oh, that's true. Well, it's nice to meet you, Steph. Uh, nice to meet you as well. I think we met previously via email, but it's always nice to hear a voice instead of, you know, just having email contact. Now, see, I'm, I've am i heard your voice several times, so... Oh, right, when I go on air. Because Wendy thinks I'm so funny and I'm like, Wendy, stop. But she, I tell her stuff in private and she brings it up on air. But, I mean, she's hilarious. I love your wife to death. Oh, well, thanks. I think she feels the same about you. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad it's mutual. All right, let me put you on hold, and then Bill and Wendy will be right with you, okay? All right, thanks, Steph. Walk behind rugged cut 24 inch trail cutter on sale Doing for a commercial break. A six cubic foot Jackson. Stop the presses. True temper is just seventy nine ninety nine. All right, it's Bill Left. It's Wendy Snyder. We're live from the Allstate Showcase studio. And, Bill, big news happened this week where they announced the uh, cast for Star Wars. Is this the seventh Episode one? seven, yeah. And is, I can't keep track because you had the originals. Right. And then you had the prequels. The prequels and now the sequels. Is that really what this is? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I don't know much about it, but there, you know, when you're thinking of Star Wars, I know you know a lot about Star Wars, Bill. I know some things, yeah. But there's somebody who really knows more than anyone mm-hmm. uh, in the galaxy, mm-hmm. and uh, his name is Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack McInerney, co-host of Rebel Force Radio. And you know, where do you know him from <laughs> other than knowing Star Wars, Wendy? I met him uh, at a bar one time. At a bar one time. <laughs> 
<laughs> One hey, thing led to another. Hey, Bill. Hey, Wendy. I, I, I think well, we know each other pretty well, Wendy, <laughs> considering that uh, I see you every morning and every night. You know what? Being married to me is no easy task. Wendy actually knows a lot more about Star Wars than she's willing to admit. Let me tell you that oh, right every now. Every once in a while, there will be something that will happen, and you'll pull out a reference, a Star Wars reference. That is all, it's amazing well, what you I know. Well, I hear it. I live it. I breathe it. So yeah. Sometimes you pick things up osmosisly. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so this is big news now, and your Rebel Force Radio podcast at rebelforceradio.com. Uh, you picked this up before anyone else. I saw it on my Facebook page. Well, about who's going to be in this uh, this new episode seven? Well, it's it's such an exciting time. Yeah, the the uh, official word came down earlier this week on Tuesday, as a matter of fact, that the main cast of Star Wars Episode Seven has been announced. It's official. It's going to be going in front of the cameras in a mere couple of weeks from now, shooting in locations such as the Abu Dhabi Desert and Pinewood Studios in London, where a lot of the James Bond films have been shot in the past. And uh, returning our original stars of the original Star Wars film, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill playing Han, Leia, and Luke of course, and then you have Anthony Daniels returning as C-3PO. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. Kenny Baker, I know you're trying to speak, Bill, but I'm just bursting with excitement here. I cannot slow down. You should be excited. But we kind of knew, uh, word got out several months ago that they were talking to Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, and they never really confirmed it, but they kept flying out to locations and meeting covertly with members of Lucas's team. But we kind of knew that was going to happen, didn't we? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if you are going to do a continuation of the Star Wars saga 30 years beyond the end of Return of the Jedi, you have to have your core characters. But I do know that negotiations were long, and there was the possibility that perhaps one or two or all three of them were going to demand more money than uh, anyone would be willing to pay and uh, they'd be forced to go on without them. But of course, you know how the force works. It, it, it all came together and uh, they're sure all going to be there. And uh, you have to have those original characters in the film. All right. So this is after the fact then? This is like 30 years later yes. I mean, in real life and in, well, is it in real life? When was the last, when, when did Return of the Jedi end, Jimmy? That was 31 years ago, Bill. In, uh... So it is. It's all the characters. <laughs> Honey, I'm it's, so it's, proud of you. It's 30 years <laughs> in real life, and then in space-time, too. We'll see those same characters 30 years later. In space-time, right, yeah. yeah. I have a question for you. Since Harrison Ford is back, is, uh, is Callista Flockhart going to play like C-3PO's oh, girlfriend? that would be She's great. She's enough to be a droid. <laughs> well, you know, as I've said, this is the main cast of characters. I'm sure there are going to be supporting characters added along the way. So, uh, yeah, perhaps... No, I, I don't think R3 that there's a... Uh... will be her character's name. <laughs> and, and will Harrison Ford wear uh, his earring that he got yeah. later in life as Han Solo? Don't count on it. Don't count on All it. Right. We are hearing that Harrison is going to be playing a major role in this film. His character Good. is going to be focused on. And, uh, Bill, you probably remember um, Harrison Ford back in uh, the 80s lobbied for his character Han Solo to be killed off in Return right. of the Jedi. So right. He... Why was that? He, he wanted him to go out like a hero, you know, uh, sacrificing himself for the greater good. And he also felt like the character had nowhere else to go. But now they're bringing him back, and apparently the script meets Harrison's approval, so perhaps he will get that hero's death he always wanted his character to have. 
Jimmy, I have some Harrison Ford trivia that I bet you don't know. What's that? Harrison Ford is where I bought my first used car. Oh, but I'm boom, psh. I got it when I was 20 years old. I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go to Liam Neeson, and I decided at the last minute oh, to go to Harrison Ford. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I at home. I get it at work. Sure, I mean, really, fun. you guys, yeah. birds of a feather. It's a good time. What about, here's the question I'm sure everyone's wondering, what about Billy D. Williams? What, what about, about Billy D. Williams? Yes, Star Wars fans Lando. are talking about yeah. that. An obvious omission. And, uh, yeah, Billy D. actually did tweet earlier this week that he would never refuse a role in Star Wars. So we're speculating that perhaps mirroring the way it all went down in the original trilogy with his character showing up midway through the second film. Wouldn't that be cool? cool. What about Professor Snape? Will he be in it again? Who? Professor Snape? Who's that? Oh, wait, maybe he's in Harry. He might be in Harry Potter. Oh. I'm sorry. Well, speaking of Harry Potter, we do have oh. we do have a young actor who is going to be playing a role from Harry Potter in this new Star Wars film. His name's Domino Gleason. He's an Irish actor. Couldn't tell by the name, but thanks. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so he's jumping franchises uh, along with a lot of uh, other young actors, some unknowns. You have uh, John Boyega, who will be seeing playing a character, Chris, in 24 Live Another Day, which debuts next week. And yeah. uh, so he'll be in One that. Day. He'll be in that, but he's also got a role in the new Star Wars film. He's a British uh, actor. And uh, Max Van... S- I'm sorry, I call him Van all the time. Max, Max von Snydow. Von Snydow. Yeah, he's a great I'm actor. Yeah. Right. Of course. He's been in tons of stuff. Sure, The Exorcist. He was Ming the Merciless in Flash Gordon. He was uh, in Dune. He's uh, been in a lot of uh, great films. And, but, Jimmy, uh, you know what this does is it carries on a tradition that they started with Peter Cushing in the first one it, and then Christopher Lee of get those kind of classically trained actors from days gone by and put them in pivotal roles. Yeah, and don't forget Sir Alec Guinness from the original right? trilogy, yeah. Obi-Wan right. Kenobi, uh, we have, who is going to be playing, I assume he's going to be playing the villain, is an actor named Adam Driver. You might know him from the HBO series oh, girls. Uh, girls, right? Yeah. Um, here's the real uh, wild card. Andy Serkis, who is an actor who is known for being something of a, a CGI mime. And what I mm-hmm. mean by that is he plays characters that are later realized as computer animation, such as Gollum from Lord of the Rings, uh, King Kong, and the, the remake King Kong. That, uh, Planet Peter of the Jackson. Apes, too. The last Planet, Planet of, of the, the Apes. Apes, that's right. So he perhaps will be continuing that tradition by playing a CGI character in this new film. And then we have a very young actress named Daisy Ridley, an unknown from England, who is uh, being speculated as playing perhaps the offspring of Han Solo and Princess Leia. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, why this? You know, forever they would release these Star Wars movies late spring, early summer, and now this one's coming out at Christmas time, December of 2015. Why that change of plan? Well, I think that primarily comes from the fact that the original script did see a major rewrite. And... Um, the, the story treatment was prepared by George Lucas and then passed off to writer Michael Arndt, who is uh, well known for being the guy who wrote Toy Story 3, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. And, he's uh, a good writer. He's, he's a great writer. And he crafted a script that I think was not heavy enough 
the focus was not heavy enough on the original core cast of Han yeah. Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia. So J.J. Abrams and Empire Strikes Back writer Lawrence Kasdan took the script and put it through a massive rewrite. And that did delay things. Also, the casting has been a long and meticulous sure. process. So it was yeah. originally announced for summer 2015, but... But now, Christmas, do you think yes. they'll incorporate some Christmas references? Maybe Santa will ride along on the Millennium Falcon, do you think? Maybe. Or, yeah, yeah, Yoda. Maybe oh, a Santa Yoda oh, coming to visit fun. all that the boys and girls. Right, right. Christmas yep. in the swamp. <laughs> all right, well, you sound kind of cute. Are you married? Oh, look at this. <laughs> see, she, see ladies love the Star Wars fans. Jimmy, don't feel too special. Wendy hits on all of our guests. Yeah, I, I, I listen. I listen. And by the way, I love listening because you guys, I mean, WGN Radio all day long has brought entertainment talk back to Chicago, and I'm so happy about it. You How guys are that? leading the way. And Rebel Force Radio, the name of your podcast that I sometimes get annoyed with because it, it takes time away from your lovely wife. But uh, big news, as I read in Star Wars Insider Magazine, why don't you uh, break the news? What do you got, Jimmy? All right, well, next year to launch the uh, promotional push for Star Wars Episode Seven and the return of Star Wars to movie theaters everywhere, there's going to be a giant expo happening in Anaheim, California, right there at the gates of Disney, pretty much. And uh, it's called Star Wars Celebration. It's an officially produced event from Lucasfilm. And uh, I will be hosting one of the three stages there uh, during the duration of the convention. It's all happening next April in Anaheim. And uh, I will be up there with my co-host from Rebel Force Radio, Jason Swank. And, your partner. Uh, if you want to call him that. She, she really Uh-oh. enjoys calling Uh-oh. him my partner. Some behind-the-scenes friction, it sounds like. But, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You'll be broadcasting <laughs> Rebel Force Radio live from all no, the it, it, I, I won't be Rebel Force Radio when we will be there on behalf of Lucasfilm. And so uh Wow, it, you've hit the big time. <laughs> well Jimmy, thanks for talking about this with us. It is it's very exciting news. There will be more Star Wars movies. We all look forward to Star Wars seven. Uh, Santa Saves the Galaxy coming out in December of twenty fifteen. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Wendy, and of course, may the force be with you. You got to say that. Thank it's you. required by law. Thank you, oh we'll be back God. after this. I'm proud. Right. I really you have am. to be proud. I am. I'm you have sorry, to be. but I am. It's the mo- he, you know this. He's got the most popular Star Wars podcast anywhere. I know, he and does. I really love that it is what he loves since he was a kid. All right, more in a moment. It's us doing one on WGN. Dean reviews Spider-Man 2 after 5 o'clock, and the city council has approved a ban on plastic bags. Now we're back to just seeing those. See, I wonder if they're going to. Hey. Thanks so much, Jimmy. <laughs> I uh, I just posted on our Facebook page uh, details for the May 4th event, and then um, we'll podcast this, and I'll send you a link. Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah, I'll spread the word about that. Don't you worry about it. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. You, you guys sounded so cute together on your... Uh, I was going to say, you and Wendy should do something, but I saw the snide remarks. You guys already have done something in the past. Yes, yes. But yeah, hey, you never know. You never know. I know, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much. All right, Steph. Later. Bye. Oh, wow. That was fun. Okay, so talking on the uh, 50,000 watt blowtorch here in Chicago, WGN Radio. Uh, you heard Stephanie. It's uh, available as a podcast now, as I guess it is already with this show. So <laughs> it's, uh, we're, we're doubling down on podcasts here. We got the WGN version. So if you want to hear what I sound like on the telephone, go to WGNRadio.com. But 
Uh, you just heard the whole discussion right here. So uh, you got it locked in on Rebel Force Radio, where all things Star Wars are happening all the time. Rebel Force Radio. This is Sam Whitwer, and you're listening to Rebel Force Radio with Jason and Jimmy Mack, your source for the Force. I have been waiting for you. All right, now for one of my favorite parts of the show. It's when we get to give back to you guys, the Rebel Force Radio listeners, with the treats of Little Debbie Snacks. Oh, it's so good. I can't even tell you how good Little Debbie is. You have to try it for yourself to believe what I'm saying. But trust me on this. When I say you and your friends and your family will love everything that Little Debbie has to offer, as a matter of fact, um, earlier this week, my son informed me, Dad, it's Teacher Appreciation Day at school. I want to do something special. So you know what I did? I loaded him up with Little Debbie Cosmic Cupcakes and Cosmic Brownies. They're a perfect treat for Star Wars fans, school kids, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, you name it. And it's easy for you to become eligible to win. All you have to do is post something mentioning Cosmic Cupcakes and Rebel Force Radio on Little Debbie's official Facebook page or tweet at Little Debbie and include hashtag Rebel Force Radio to be eligible to win a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack, including those delicious Cosmic Cupcakes. Little Debbie is the official snack cake of Rebel Force Radio. And this week's winner of a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack is... From Twitter, Evan Lowe, who says, I'm listening to Rebel Force Radio during work, and then I got very hungry and could think of nothing else but Little Debbie Snack Cakes. <laughs> and Evan includes hashtag, give back the snack. Well, we certainly are, Evan. We're giving back the snack to you. We'll be in touch with you to get your mailing information so we can send you a galactic snack pack from Little Debbie, including Cosmic Cupcakes. Go check them out now. They're on the shelves, and they are awesome. Little Debbie Cosmic Cupcakes, official snack cake of Rebel Force Radio. Guys, Paul Bateman's calling my cell phone. Hey, Paul, I've got you on speaker. You want to get on Skype? Paul, hello? Oh, I've just got pocket dialed by Paul Bateman, you guys. He's eating chips. He's eating chips. All right, well. Imagining he's seeing the film right now. Let's see if Paul, I... if you can hear me, put down the popcorn and get on Skype. All right, there. Just let him go. All right, for those of you who were with us a couple weeks ago when the big cast announcement was made, you know that we were on top of it. We had a special report released within... Minutes of the announcement being made, myself, David Collins, Kyle Newman, we gave you all our opinions, our initial reaction to that historic casting announcement. But there was definitely someone who was notably absent during that show, and he he tried to call us, at least I think he butt-dialed us a couple times. He, he was uh, calling David's phone and didn't realize it, but his part is Paul Bateman, so we're going to bring on Paul now to talk about his opinions and reactions to that big Episode 7 cast announcement. How's it going, Paul? Very good. Very good. Really excited. Yes. Um, yeah, I may have may have dialed a few people, but I think I think David might have been calling me too. I was out in the garden, which is uh, a crazy, crazy thing for me. I, I don't very often do that, so it's just uh, 
Typical. As soon as I walked outside the house, that's it. They, they announced the casting. Well, why don't you walk out to that garden a little more often? Maybe we'll get news. <laughs> I know. It's like once in a blue moon, and they, they go and drop this one on me. Well, but, uh, it, it was. They could have been watching, actually, because I'm not far from Pinewood, so they could have been like, right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's outside. Time. Let's just let's lay it on them. Yeah. Well, that's pretty funny. I'm, but I'm just blown away by it. Just totally blown away. Well, let's get everyone up to speed. Of course, uh, you have to be hiding under a rock if you're a Star Wars fan and you didn't realize that the core cast of Star Wars Episode Seven was announced uh, just a mere two weeks ago. Actors John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis. Domino Gleason and Max von Sydow will be joining the original stars of the saga, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, and yes, even Kenny Baker in Star Wars Episode Seven. They're all going to be there. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, Paul, your proximity to the actual sound stages where they're going to be shooting Star Wars Episode Seven. I mean, you're a mere stone's throw away. And uh, the, the, the classic, now iconic photo of the first cast sitting around in a circle getting ready to do their first read-through of the script for Star Wars Episode Seven was pretty momentous. It was a picture taken on the stages at Pinewood. You, you see R2-D2 is there. And uh, so, Paul... Um, did you find where the holes are in the chain link fence that surrounds the studio property? And how often have you been sneaking into the sets of Star Wars Episode Seven? Um, yeah, um, like I would ever do that. Uh, <laughs> I would never work there again if I was if I was caught doing that. Um, no, fortunately, you know, occasionally I have, I have the odd excuse to to pop in there, and so I've been you know in and out of there over the last kind of few weeks. And uh, the place is airtight. So uh, and, and and quite rightly too. I mean, it, you know, with a big production like this, you need you need security to be at a premium. And um, you know, I'm sure that everybody feels the same way that I do. That it's nice to kind of get drip fed information and to sort of slowly find out this stuff when when uh, when when the casting crew kind of think it's appropriate for it to kind of get out to the public. But um, I, I don't want to hear spoilers from anybody else, and I wouldn't be you know even if even if I had seen anything, I wouldn't be talking about it on air to anybody because. It's just not what you do. I mean, if skills talk costs productions and all that, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's I haven't seen anything. It's it's just, uh, but it is nice to kind of get over there and 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 know that just around the corner somewhere, it's it's all happening. And, uh, and it was just wonderful to see this picture. I mean, I can't I can't tell you. I know people were kind of knocking the the kind of makeshiftness of the of the environment. In fact, it right. was kind of a bunch of boxes for a table and. Uh, that they're obviously kind of packing crates all over the place, but this is just, you know, part of the course at a, a film studio. It's a working environment. You know, it's like stepping into a factory. It's not, not meant to be, you know, a plush swish kind of, you know, uh, place that the public walks through, you know, it's, it's a place where, where cool stuff is built, not, not a place where cool stuff lives like hundred percent of the time, you know? Um, so yeah, it was great to see this photograph and I, it was lovely to finally find out that, you know, officially, that everybody was signed and, and, you know, I know there've been rumors that they've been signed for a long, long time, but you know, until we saw this picture, I mean, who knew for definite that all the, all the agreements were, were on paper and that it was all kind of sorted out. But, um, I mean, I'm, I'm loving all the, all the new cast members too. I'm looking at it just kind of thinking, wow, you know, how little I know about so many of them. And that's nice. Cause it's so much like the back in the original, when the original movies were around that we didn't know any of these people. But I mean, I'm, I mentioned to you earlier, Jimmy, you know, I was, I was just sort of saying that, off air that you know to me it seems as though a lot of these people may have been cast type 
you know, like the original cast were, you know, I mean, there have been a few interviews where Mark talked about, um, you know, the way he traveled as a young man and his time in Japan and uh, things like that. You know, and that he spoke to George about that during the the interview process when he first got the role of of Luke. And uh, that does make me wonder if they're they're, they're adopting a similar kind of, you know, uh, stance when it comes to to casting all the new people. I mean, it, it immediately seemed to me that Daisy Ridley had to be, you know the child of han and leia um in part because of the way that she speaks she's she's you know she's very she's been on you know english television a few times um she's not a well-known face by any any means but she's quite a well-spoken you know nice nice girl and and it seems to me like she's got a little bit of that princess you know kind of quality to her um whereas you know you look at john Boyega, and you know he if if they're going you know according to you know a few of the roles that he's played and stuff, for instance, his character in Attack the Block, then, you know, my assumption at this stage would be that he's probably a bit of an urchin or, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a, a kind of a, a, a more um, roguish kind of character, perhaps. Uh, Oscar Isaac is, is very, you know, he's the big kind of question mark, isn't he? He does sort of seem like the kind of, kind of guy who's played, played both types of characters, good guys and bad guys. So that's... That's interesting, but Andy Circus. I mean, where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, that was just totally blew me away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Athena was delighted because she's such a Lord of the Rings fan, so she was like, "Wow, that's fantastic!" But well, I mean, I was yeah. excited because of his work on Planet of the Apes. Oh, of course, and uh, you know, he did great stuff as King Kong as well. And that really came out of left field. There was yeah. no rumors leading up to it. There was oh, no speculation that he'd be involved in something like Star Wars. So I, I, I imagine you were as shocked and surprised as we were. Oh, completely. Yeah, I'd heard nothing about that, you know, and, and, you know, like yourself, you know, you get to hear rumors and after a while you just start to ignore them all, don't you? But I didn't hear a thing about Andy Serkis. The, the, the one thing that really kind of surprised me was, was um, uh, Donald Gleason because, or Dom, is it Domnall? Domnall, yes. Yeah, unusual name, but I, I just can't shake the fact that in my mind, looking at them visually, I, I personally think he's got to be a Kenobi. He's got to be a descendant of Kenobi. It's the red hair. The, you know, the, uh, there have been a few times when he's, he's played roles where he's grown a beard and, and he looks extremely Kenobi-like. So, so for my money, he's got to be a descendant of Kenobi. I, I think if he was, if he, unless he's an, obviously a completely new character that's not related to any of the, the previous kind of main characters. Um, but if, you know, there's, there's no way that they're going to cast him to, to, to be, you know, a, uh, the, the offspring of Han or, or Leia. No way. I mean, he's just got a completely different look. And I, and I personally think that if they were going to, if he was going to be offspring of, of, uh, Mark Hamill, then they'd go for a more traditional kind of, you know, Valley, uh, you know, kind of surf's up kind of boy, you know, type, <laughs> type look, you know, they go for a, a pretty, California boy is what you're yeah, saying. They, yeah. they go for a, they go for a young Mark or a young, you know, um, Anakin Skywalker type and Domino's de- definitely not that. So I, I think if you, you know, if you get him in the right light, he has absolutely bang on the same eyes as, as Guinness. So for me, as odd as that might seem, I think that he's, he's either got to be a distant relative or, or an ancestor or something along those lines. I just, I just can't see how it, it could be otherwise. And, and to me, that kind of ties in with the, the whole fact that I'm sure that Jedi are thin on the ground by the time this kind of comes around, no matter how much, you know, uh, Jedi fans would like there to be thousands of Jedi. I think, I think, and, and, you know, the whole kind of, um, you know, uh, force powers going in the family sort of thing means that th- their options are kind of limited with the, with the kind of current cast. And it seems quite likely that, you know, if they're going to try and do something a bit left of field and something that's unexpected and not like the EU, then I, I think it would be, certainly would be unexpected and certainly would uh, come as a big surprise to a lot of people if uh, if Kenobi had some kind of distant relation who had force powers. So that, that I would I would totally put money on uh, 
on Gleason being being some kind of distant, you know, connection to to uh, to Kenobi. And, and for me as well, it, it just seems like it would be a nice, you know, an interesting uh, thread for 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 you know Luke Skywalker. I think I think like for, for the roles to suddenly be reversed and have like you know Skywalker teaching a Kenobi would be really interesting i think that's kind of cool i like that yeah yeah i do like that i do like that the other side of the coin but let me uh, play devil's advocate here for a second just just for the sake of conversation you brought up the eu and uh we know that there will be some elements mined from the eu and star wars storytelling moving forward and you also mentioned the fact that uh domino gleason has the red hair so that would more, make him more likely a descendant of Kenobi than Skywalker. However, what if Luke <laughs> does marry Mara Jade in Star Wars Episode Seven, and maybe they reveal that she was killed off somehow, and so now Luke is left raising their son together? I don't know. I just, I just think they'd go for the red hair, but somehow they'd pick somebody who looked more like Mark, and he doesn't look at all like Mark. He's got a completely different physicality. Obviously, he's very English, yeah. You know, well, so there is there is that, but but uh, yeah, but we're but, so used to British actors putting on, <laughs> you know, deadly serious yeah. and perfect American uh, accents. If you watch uh, Walking sure. Dead, most of their main cast is from the UK, but you wouldn't know it because they're supposed to be from Georgia. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's vice versa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. can. I mean, they're actors after all. But uh, exactly, yeah, I, I just physically, I just look at him and kind of go, "That's a Kenobi descent." Uh, just to me. There's just it just seems like you know they're going, they're going to be looking to do something that's unexpected and a little surprising. I'm just sure of that. And I, I think when you know when you when you kind of consider, I mean, something that occurred to me for the first time was that Leia. You know, I mean, if you compare her to to Luke, you know, and, and Anakin, you know, Luke Luke obviously was beginning to he had he had you know. Um, he had great skills with the Skyhopper and he was able to sort of bullseye want rats and all that. So you could argue that he had a certain amount of, you know, apparent force ability, but it wasn't anything like, you know, um, Anakin, where he's, he's definitely has force abilities from a young child and, it, and it's so apparent that his parents notice. You know, Luke doesn't really, you know, exhibit that kind of level of, of power, but he obviously just has a lot of feelings about things and he obviously, you know, has... Has a has a natural aptitude for a lot of stuff, and he hasn't joined the dots because probably his aunt and uncle are keeping him in the dark. But you know, Princess Leia, there's just zero, there's none of that, right? Until until you know we start getting into the third movie, and then obviously you know at whatever stage they decided that that uh, George decided that um, Leia w- was suddenly his sister, then they're able to kind of like show a little bit of that in that you know she can sense Luke and stuff like that. But I'm not convinced that Leia is going to exhibit, you know, false powers that much, in which case, you know, that makes me think that if they, if they, if her and uh, Han do have a child, I don't think it's necessarily going to be anything like the EU in terms of like, oh, here we go. Here's a, here's a kid with great force abilities, you know, because for me, it's not like, it's not like the offspring of Anakin or the offspring of, uh, of Luke. But then, I mean, with a brilliant writer like Kazdan, who knows? I mean, you know, he could do all kinds of surprising things that could skip a generation. It could... You know, I mean, who knows? It could be down to the individual, you know. But, you know, uh, what's interesting, though, in in Return of the Jedi, though, uh, Luke's dialogue foreshadowed the fact that Leia would learn the skills of a Jedi. He he foreshadowed that. He said, you know, I have the the power and my sister has it. You, Leia, you know... You're my sister. You will, you know, soon you will learn to use the the powers of, as I have, I believe is his exact line. Am, am I right with that? 
Yeah, I think you are. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, I just, I find it hard to imagine Gary kind of, you know, as a false wielder, but maybe. I mean, who knows? I mean, one thing I must say while while we're on the subject of Gary at the minute is, are you, are you like me, Jimmy? Are you tired of all the kind of like the, the, the you know, sulky remarks about the age of all the actors? Of course I am. Of course I am, because the older I get, the younger they seem. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, we obviously... We're in the same camp there, Jimmy. But, yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I just kind of think, like you know, in this in this day and age, you know, obviously we're living in a time when you know, like racism and homophobia and those kind of issues are not tolerated in most in most societies. You know, most most places it's just not acceptable to kind of act that way. And yeah, it just you know, the internet is just a wash with people kind of taking the Mickey out of them for being just human beings that get older. Mm-hmm. And for, for my money, there are a lot of a lot of actors and a lot of character actors who just improve with age. Now, there are many, many kind of characters that I think are just cool as anything, despite the fact that they're grey and wrinkly. You know, Clint Eastwood, for instance, you know, what's not cool about that guy? But they, they just seem to break out the they're getting old thing, like every available opportunity. And I don't think it's OK. I think that fandom should should definitely put the foot down and say, leave them alone for being human beings. These are cool people and the characters are cool to think no matter how old they are. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really, really pleased that they're back. I think I think they're fantastic characters and I don't think we saw enough of them. And uh, I can't wait to see them, you know, like really kind of um, – because, of course, I mean, with 30 years on as well, I mean, who knows how they've developed. It's going to be really interesting to rediscover who these people are. Absolutely it will be. And to see how their characters have grown over the course of the last 30 years. Wow. See, there you go. I was going to ask you about Max von – Seedow. Now th- that's that is the correct pronunciation. Seedow. Uh-huh. A, a lot of us say Seedow, especially here in the states. But I believe the man pronounces his name right. Von Seedow. So I, I'd love to pick your mind and uh, hear what you think about a guy who really, you know, established himself as a premier actor in films like The Exorcist and. Uh, Three Days of the Condor, and uh, of course, you know, very special to us, Flash Gordon. He was Ming the Merciless. What do you think about Ming the Merciless finally invading the Star Wars universe? I think it's fantastic and really, really exciting. I can't wait. I think I think it was just one of those things where I was I was just sort of thinking, like literally the day before, like you know, about the fact that that George always brought in like a really kind of like a a real kind of classic actor from, you know, mostly from, from the Hammer crowd, you know, so you've got mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. And I was just kind of thinking, like, who who could they bring into this that carries that same kind of gravitas and that same kind of history? And uh, unfortunately, like, Vincent Price is no longer with us, or he would have been perfect at, <laughs> at uh, playing <laughs> some... Can you some imagine? Humor. He certainly would have brought some humour to the to, Sure, to the yeah. Uh, and I think Max von Sydow has definitely got that. He's got that kind of quality. He's, you know, he's... He's been in so many. He's one of these guys, just like Peter Cushing, in that you know, like whatever movie he kind of turns up for, he elevates it, and and he always makes it work. He's always watchable, no matter what. So you know, you, I mean, Peter Cushing was in some appalling movies, but you know, I'll still watch them time and time again because he's wonderful, and he, he's just mesmerising to watch. And I think Max von Sydow's the same. I think I think his performance as Ming was just incredible, and I think to a certain extent he kind of held that movie together because he, he treated it so seriously, and yet at the same time had that kind of campy side to, to his performance, and he was just amazing in Flash Gordon. And I, th- I think you know in Star Wars, I think whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, I've got a feeling he'll probably be a good guy. Really, I think as, he, as he's getting on in years, I think they, they tend to cast him more as, as kind of like characters who are just uh, you know. Uh, 
well, he gets more good guy parts than bad guy parts, I think, these days. Um, but uh, I think either way, it's just great that he's in the movie, and I can't. It's nice because I think it'll, it'll, it'll be a good contrast for all the uh, all the original trilogy kind of cast coming back. I think it'd be nice to have a character who's older than them, who can. Uh, yeah, and I know the the internet is awash with rumours of who he might be, uh, but for me, I think that's that's much less interesting than the actor himself. I think that whoever he he plays, he'll make it cool. So I think regardless of whether or not he's a He's a rebels character, kind of, uh, you know, aged, or if he's an uh, original trilogy character that's that's been recast or whatever, uh, that that doesn't really matter to me. I just think Max von Sydow, he's so cool, you know. <laughs> yes. so, uh, <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, I, I remember all the you know the different kind of articles that were in magazines. I know you're you're as familiar with Jimmy, like trawling through all the old star logs and things like that. Where they the one thing that kept popping up was that the third trilogy, if they got to it, would be very grey, and that that characters you thought were trustworthy turned out to be untrustworthy, and characters you thought weren't trustworthy turn the other cheek and become like you know save the day, and that it would be a much greyer tale. And I think this is this is a time in the world where I think that's an appropriate story to tell. I think it's nice that it's not quite so black and white if that's the direction that they're going. And uh, Max von Sydow is is perfect for that kind of role where. Maybe we don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy, you know. I mean, and, and uh, I, I'm kind of cool with that. And so many of his roles, he's he's been that type of character. So you know, he's the kind of friendly grandfather who turns out to to be a complete psycho. Or a <laughs> well, you know, there's been a rumor floating around out there that perhaps he's only going to be lending his voice to mm. a character in the new Star Wars trilogy. Would that disappoint you if he wasn't actually on screen? Well, um, I, I don't think this picture is any indication that that's the case. And I know a few, few people have been assuming that that's, that's why he's not there. But I think, you know, it's just his character could maybe be, you know, a much, much smaller role. And, and therefore, it's not essential for him to be there at this read. You know, I mean, certainly he's a busy actor. And I think if he was, if he was filming, it would be insane to kind of like, you know, fly him over just for a read um, when he's so experienced and, and you know, and, the guy can just make it happen, you know, at the drop of a hat anyway. Not like, I mean, all these actors can probably do that. But, um, you know, with his his status in the business, I would imagine that, you know, that that's not an indicator of the fact that that uh, that he's vo- voice only. I, I just think that for my money, looking at him, you know, he brings so much more to the table than his voice. I mean, his, his performance is, you know, how he acts physically and how he looks, you know, is is... It's such a you know wonderful aspect of who he is as an actor. So for, for me, I think it would be better to be able to see him. But um, even so, his voice is also so amazing that you know, even if it's only his voice, then you know I'd be I'd be I'd be grateful for that. But uh, it would be lovely if he gets to play a part that you know a character that we see. So Absolutely, yeah. I I expect that. I think that's what we'll get. So let me ask you a question because. Uh you actually know the man and you know his family, but uh, a big surprise to me was seeing that Kenny Baker is going to be returning to the cast. And I've heard a lot of things about his health. Um, as a matter of fact, David Prowse actually mentioned it recently in an interview that uh, Kenny's health is not that well these days. And uh, I've noticed he's been uh, wheelchair bound more and more. Do you think it's physically possible for him to actually portray the character of R2 in any scene in the new film? I mean, I, I used to joke with Kevin, his son, you know, that, that I was in Revenge of the Sith more than his dad was because I worked more days than he did. Uh, uh, so <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if, the, if it was for a very short period of time, but I, I wouldn't like to say, you know, that, that Kenny, he may be d- diminutive in stature, but, you know, there's no stopping that guy when he sets his mind to do something. So I think, 
you know, if Kenny wants to get in the suit and, and do something, I, you know, I don't think he could stop the guy. You know, so, uh, you know, he's a, he's a firecracker and he's, he's very much like R2-D2, you know, he's, he's um, you know, he makes it happen and he saves the day, you know, like quite, and, and, and has done so quite often in the past, you know, but he is, he is getting on in years. So it, I, I have to admit, I was very surprised to hear that, that Kenny was involved. But, you know, I, I think at the very least, it's a wonderful gesture. And uh, I think that when Kenny's in the suit, for me, it's a very different R2-D2 to the R2 that we saw in the prequel trilogy. So, so I, would, I would love Kenny to be a part of that. And I'm glad that that appears to be the case. I mean, if, if I look at R2 in the, in the original trilogy, it's, to me, it feels like a very different droid to the droid in the prequels. In part because, obviously, he's not a jet-powered hover droid. But, <laughs> but, but you know... I mean, it's something I've commented on a lot, Jimmy, about the the number of kind of close-ups you get in the original trilogy compared to the number of close-ups you get in the prequel trilogy. So you kind of feel like a more of a connection, you know, with with characters because in the original trilogy there's a lot of close-ups compared to the to the newer movies. And a big part of that, you know, for R two D two is these these tight, you know, headshots of of R two, you know, rocking back and forth. But there was no no you know no missing the fact that there was there was something very alive about that performance. And so for me. I think if it's a choice between, you know, putting Kenny in an auto hat and uh, and a CG version, I'd go for the former. So so I think um, however he's involved, you know, I think it's a good thing. But, I, you know, you're absolutely right about Kenny Baker playing R2. It is a different character in the original trilogy. There are way more close-up shots of him, as you might even say, reaction shots. I don't know how you get a reaction from R2, but it works. It was always very effective in the editing. I just recently rewatched A New Hope, and I was taking note of all the times that you can actually tell that Kenny Baker is inside the R2 mm-hmm. unit. And I got to tell you, the way he makes R2 shake, he makes R2 walk or waddle, how, however you want to describe it, um, he adds a lot of personality to the droid. And that cannot be replicated via CGI or remote control. He brings the character to life. Uh, definitely. I, mean, I, I think it's, I think it's like, like Peter Mayhew, you know, like, it, I mean, which another wonderful thing to find out that Peter's back. I mean, I'm so glad that his knee operation obviously worked and what have you. Even if, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Peter's used in the close-ups and they use a, a, a body double for the wides, you know, but, but I mean, there's no, there's no denying that Peter has a very unique physicality and, and, uh, and he is Chewbacca. I mean, it doesn't matter who they put in that suit. They're never going to be Peter. So it's, it's brilliant that he's back. But I think, you know, it's, it's like, for me, it's like, you know, I used to work as an animator and I think I can quite often tell whether the animator is male or female. Um, and so like Yoda, I kind of, you know, quite often look at his performance and go female animator, male animator, female movement, male movement. And, and guys are notoriously, you know, not always the greatest or the first choice to sort of animate women and vice versa. And, and so for me, Yoda's performance is very varied in prequels. I look at it and kind of go that, I mean, it's, it's not always apparent, but occasionally kind of, it feels like a very feminine movement for a male character. And, and, uh, you know, and I think that with R2-D2, obviously it's, He's more of a washing machine, so it's <laughs> it's not quite so apparent. But but uh, the movements very definitely aren't, aren't Kenny. I mean, I think a lot of the time. I mean, they did a great job of of, of approximating it, but it's it's definitely not the same. And uh, you know, I don't I don't mean to come across all kind of humbug and down on CGI because I'm you know I'm a big advocate of CG CGI is a great solution to a lot of a lot of uh, trouble that they had in the original trilogy. You know, in terms of getting stuff to happen. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer it to sort of be the real deal. But Peter, oh, that's just such cool news. Did you, I mean, you guys presumably have already spoken about the, the, the picture that appears to be 
Peter online in the new suit, right? No, actually, we haven't. That uh, picture was tweeted by Bob Iger, mm. I guess. Um, actually, it was tweeted by the official Star Wars, uh, Star Wars UK site, or UK account, I should say. It was Bob mm. Iger and Chewbacca. It looked like a very recent photo taken probably minutes before it was posted. And boy, oh boy, does that not look like original oh. trilogy Chewbacca standing there with him. I- I just I nearly burst into tears. I was so happy. I mean, I mean, like you know, um, you know, Dave Elsie is a friend, and obviously Dave and Lou and his team uh, did you know all the Wookies for for the prequel trilogy, and they're, they're fantastic. And Chewbacca looked amazing in Episode Three. You know, however, I think that those films had a certain uh, a certain look to them uh, that that needed to be kind of maintained and was was pretty consistent, and and a certain kind of. You know, overall, it had quite a polished kind of finish to me that that felt very different to the to the original trilogy. And and um, you know, I mean, I, th- I think that a lot of the a lot of the design, a lot of the way it was approached, was obviously kind of coming down from George, and he had a very kind of clear idea about what he wanted. And um, I think that people delivered that, you know. Um, but the the one thing that got me really excited about this version of of, of Chewie was just how close it was to the uh, like episode four Chewbacca. You know, like not, I mean, it clearly wasn't like one of these suits that they wheel out for promotional sort of, you know, for MTV and stuff. And and it clearly um, wasn't the prequel era Chewbacca. It had a different look and a different feel to it. But to me, you know, it, it, it seemed like the closest thing I'd seen to Chewbacca in episode four, like ever. I mean, Chewbacca obviously changed in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And especially in Return of the Jedi, he got a real kind of 80s quiff going on, didn't he? It went a bit crazy with the hair, hairspray. Um, and to me, this feels like more like the episode four Chewie than the Return of the Jedi one did. And obviously that was built by Freeborn. So you would expect it to be very, very close, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just I was so excited about that. I thought it looked amazing. It did so, look amazing. It did look amazing. As long as we got you here, Paul, let's talk about some other rumors that have popped up recently. Most notably is the rumor about a possible title for star wars episode seven have you heard anything about this oh yeah okay (laughs) several (laughs) (laughs) well you know what we have been hearing several rumors for a time uh there was a rumor going out there that it could be called a new dawn and now we've discovered that that will be the uh, first book in del rey's relaunch of the star wars line fiction line uh we've also heard uh the order of the jedi And uh, most recently, the one to pop up is one called The Ancient Fear, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Ancient Fear. So uh, what do you think of the legitimacy of that particular title rumor, considering it did come from Ain't It Cool's Harry Knowles, who has a long history of proving rumors correct, and he also has a long history of missing the mark by a mile. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously, uh, any speculation is hit or miss, uh, especially depending on the validity of your sources. But Harry Knowles himself is saying that it's going to be Star Wars Episode Seven: The Agent Fear. What do you think of that? I I thought that the uh, New Dawn seems really kind of wishy-washy to me, you know, and and not and didn't feel like a, a... a power title, as it were, to launch a new, you know, wave of stalls movies. It just kind of felt like a bit watery. So I was, I was glad to find out that that was, that was just a book title. Yeah. And then the, the order of the Jedi, I didn't buy it because I felt like, you know, it was, it was too much. We've got return of the Jedi. Then you have order of the Jedi. It just seemed like, okay, the names are kind of a little similar. And I didn't think that they would, they would, you know, 
use the word Jedi in the title after they've used it before. They try and keep it something, make it something different. Agreed. But at the, at the same time, you, you know, I remember when Harry Knowles was reporting about Phantom Menace and, you know, months and months of speculation about Balance of the Force. And, and you know, there were Balance of the Force banners, there were people posting about Balance of the Force here, there and everywhere. And then, of course, eventually we find out it's Phantom Menace. So I'll take it all with a pinch of salt. I think, I think, uh, the ancient fear makes sense to me. It kind of feels like it would make make sense, you know. In that, obviously, there's been thirty plus years between the the, the Return of the Jedi and the new movie, so it, you would imagine that that things have been pretty hunky dory for that for that you know period of time, and that the reason why this story is taking place now is probably because things aren't you know as hunky dory as they once were. So so it, it seems quite likely to me that something along the lines of of uh, the ancient fear would make sense, you know, like that, okay, we've got a new conflict arising and, and, uh, you know, the, an ancient fear, it, it also has that kind of, you know, the serial kind of vibe to it. So, you know, it definitely feels like something that's as kind of like hokey as Attack of the Clones or, you know, it's got that kind of 40 serial vibe to it. So I, I, I could buy it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure I like it, but then I could say that about a lot of the titles and I really didn't like the Phantom Menace as a title. I wasn't too clean on, uh, Attack of the Clones either, but, uh, but, you know, at the same time, I remember when I thought Empire Strikes Back was a silly title and mm-hmm. it was too wordy. You know, after A New Hope, you thought, what's this? Like, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. It seems really kind of like a sentence, you know. And now, of course, we're just going to take it in a stride, don't we? Because we, we hang it off that amazing movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd have a problem with The Ancient Fear. But I'll, I'll say one thing. I would put money on the fact that rather than, um, you know, when we, we finally see the title, I'll bet you that they, they present it like they did do the original trilogy. It'll be along the lines of an Empire Strikes Back logo or a Star Wars A New Hope logo. It won't be Times Roman. It won't be Episode 7-centric. I think it will be Star Wars, whatever the title is, probably in a box like the Empire logo used to be on all the, on all the titles because I think they're, they're definitely pushing, pushing it back towards the OT and I think they'll, they'll want to communicate that in every piece of, kind of you know, visual media that they present. And the first, the first thing that we see is the logo. And that we'll, we'll all kind of base our conclusions to a certain extent on, on how the logo looks. So I'm, I'm certain that whatever the title is, that they'll present it like the Empire Strikes Back. I've just got a really strong vibe about that. I think that's, that's where they're going to go. You know, I really miss that uh, when we would just refer to the original three films as Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. We didn't have the, you know, constant Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. You know, it was, it was known, it was marketed by the title of the film. And they wouldn't include Star Wars in the actual marketing. When you'd go to the movie theater, they would print up your ticket and it would just say Return of the Jedi. It didn't necessarily say Star Wars on it because the film was going out there as Return of the Jedi. If you looked for it alphabetically, it wouldn't fall under S for Star Wars. It would fall under R for Return of the Jedi. And yeah. then with with the prequel trilogy, marketing in you know the year 1999 and then in the uh, 21st century, they want to take full advantage of the the marquee value that the simple title star Wars brings. So they have to include it. They just have to, but you know, for a lot of newer fans, you might not recall that back in the old days, we would refer to them as their proper titles and not as star Wars, episode six, return of the Jedi, unless you were super hardcore about it. 
Yeah, definitely not. I mean, I, 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 I think we're going to get, you know, I think they'll promote it as stores, you know, for instance, the ancient fear, like that's how they'll promote it. I don't think there'll be any of this episode seven business. I think that'll be buried in the, in the crawler. And I don't, I don't think it'll be on all the, all the merch. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I for one thought that was probably a mistake when they were doing the prequels in that I think it, it immediately drew a distinction between the prequels and the, and the original trilogy in terms of the way it was promoted. And uh, given that, you know, George's feelings about it, it's all one, one big saga, you know, for me, that made, made it feel like it wasn't. You know, for me, I, I felt like, okay, well, we could have like episode one, two and three in the, in the crawler, but... You know, does it need to be part of the title like that? I mean, and certainly not bigger than the name of the movie, you know, which which a lot of the promotional material was like that, you know, where you kind of think, really? Like, episode one huge and then Phantom Menace, like, kind of squirreled away in the corner somewhere? I, I, yeah, I'm certain that they're going to go for an old school kind of approach to the promotional material. So the name wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, it also wouldn't surprise me if it's just close, you know, because, I mean, remember, we all remember the Revenge of the, you know, Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi, you know, so, I mean, maybe... Maybe the ancient fear is, you know, is a close approximation of where they're going with it. But, you know, between now and a year and a half from now, I'm sure a lot of thinking will happen. And, you know, it may even be the last, you know, last few months of production that they could, they could suddenly do a complete U-turn because they, they something better and or something more potentially uh, exciting to Kirsten. I mean, the thing to bear in mind as a consumer of this is, that, you know, during production, um, you know, everybody's aware of the fact that you've kind of got to be, attentive to what's out there you know so it could be that three months before star wars lands episode seven lands that another film comes out with a very similar title and they have to start you know rethinking the name i mean you know that that kind of thing could happen you know it could be an atrocious movie that comes out called the the ancient something else and they they don't want to be get get told with that brush you know so um i think it's so so far away that i'd be very i'd be very surprised if they kind of like committed to a title at this stage and i know a lot of people want to sort of you know see that land but i don't think we're going to find out for a long time can you remember jimmy how how early we got to hear like the title empire strikes back before the movie was released i can't remember you know how late in the day it was did you did you did you find out a title ages before the movie came out boy oh boy that's a great question you know i think it was as early as uh, winter 78, I want to say, that perhaps really? I saw the name for the first time in something like Dynamite Magazine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, so I, on it, no doubt. I, I can recall being a kid and looking at this article about Star Wars and about it was the article was called something like. Uh, Star Wars two, you know, yeah. and um, and so I, I think it was Dynamite magazine, and I recall reading it, and that was the first place I ever saw the title "The Empire Strikes Back." And like you, as a kid, I, I felt like mm, that's kind of uh, it felt like a big long sentence, you know. It's it doesn't it feels more like they're describing the film than actually applying a title to it. But then that was before I understood that George Lucas was digging into his pulp fiction roots and uh, kind of presenting it in that, you know, the serialized style that he was trying to emulate with his own series. Well, I'm not sure about Jimmy when it comes to all this is how spoiler free I want to be, you know, because I, I remember just kind of jumping all over the empire strikes back novelization before the movie came out and, and, I don't personally feel like it spoiled it for me. I, I, I was just so excited to see the movie. I had a great time anyway. And But nowadays, you know, I mean, it is possible to kind of like find out so much stuff along the way before they've even released a novelization or a comic book or anything like that, that um, 
and and I think with us having such an enormous passion for Star Wars, I think it's almost impossible to avoid, you know, kind of finding that information out. Um, but for me, I think I think you know, the, it's almost like reading it, uh, getting to hear about this stuff is a completely sort of separate experience to going to the movies and seeing the movie. Um, you know, I mean, given that you know George has always had this kind of adopted this kind of attitude of. Many of the Star Wars movies, you can almost watch them without the sound on. I mean, obviously, that's, that's sacrilege to you, Jimmy, because the sound <laughs> is so beautiful and wonderful. But, but to a certain extent, the movies work as silent movies, you know. And, and I, I think that that's predominantly because they're so visual. They're just so incredibly visual. And, and although I know, that, I know that George has been frequently quoted as the music is like, you know, sort of 50% of the experience for him. And to an extent, I agree with that. I think if it was John Williams, I'd, I'd find it very un-Star Wars, I think, on some level. Um, but I, I don't know when these when these movies come around. I think I think I'm I'm just going to be spoiled to to heck, and I, I don't think it will matter when I go and experience it, provided it's a good movie. But uh, I, I'm really excited about this cast. I just look at them and think that's that's everything I would hope for. I mean, John John Boyega, I haven't seen him do a lot apart from Attack the Block, and that was a very physical performance. But then you look back at the original Star Wars and think, well. You know, Harrison hasn't got an enormous amount of dialogue in the first movie. I mean, he's got significant dialogue that we remember fondly and we quote, um, but it's not pages and pages and pages of dialogue. So it could be that John's got got a you know got a character that's that's quite action orientated. Same goes for Oscar Isaac. Who knows? Um, but I, I just couldn't be more excited. And the fact that Lawrence Kasdan's in the read too—that's very telling. I mean, I think like there are quite often you get reads where the writer isn't there. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's advisable for the writer to be there, but for Lawrence to actually be sitting there and, and you know, ready to make notes and ready and rearing, I think that's a really, really good sign that these these stories are going to be very well written. Um, I think that's very, very exciting. And I agree with Carl when he sort of said that he felt that a lot of the characters were probably situated in terms of their involvement in the movie. I think that is commonly, that's that's the way it works. I think you can expect... John Boyega and Oscar Isaac to spend a lot of time together as characters. And I think that Andy Serkis probably has an ancillary role that's connected to those characters. But I think that Mark is clearly going to be with the droid, so he's sitting next to Anthony Daniels. But then that's very kind of telling that, um, you know, uh, Donald Gleason is next to those guys too. So that's part of where I'm coming from when it comes to sort of like, okay, well, I think Donald's probably got a connection with Kenobi because he's not sitting with Harrison and Carrie. He's sitting with Luke. And, and I really just do not physically see a Skywalker in him. I don't think it's there. He, even taking in the more Jade effect, I just don't think he looks anything like him. Uh, and and I, I think if, if, if they, he was cast as a Skywalker, he would definitely look like him. But, you know, it's clear that Peter Mayhew's character is going to be, you know, Chewie's going to be hanging out with Han and, and Leia. So, and, and Daisy is just the way she's sitting. She's got to be the, the kid. And and if you hear her speak for long enough, it's quite obvious that she's got that kind of princess factor. So uh, I just couldn't be more excited. Adam Driver there. I mean, who knows what what kind of a character he's going to be, but he's such an intense actor, isn't he? I mean, I'm sure he'll make a very scary bad guy, whether he's a Sith or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Can you tell I'm excited yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, Paul, when you think of something to say about this, why don't you give us a call? I mean, right, come on. Up, pause, breathe. <laughs> Just take a deep breath and relax. Come on, I'm too excited. These are some of the best of times for Star Wars fans. I, I can't recall uh, any time growing up as a fan of both trilogies, the original trilogy uh, during my uh, childhood and teenage years, and then uh, boom, 
the uh, prequel trilogy uh, during my 30s as I became a young dad. Now I'm going to be able to really experience this on a level where my sons are now older and I'm going to be able to share with them. We're already talking about what we think could be happening in these new Star Wars films, how the characters are going to interact with each other and what the possible threat could be for our protagonists. We're hearing early rumors that uh, whoever the bad guy is, he will not be a Sith. The antagonist will be uh, some sort of unique threat to the Star Wars universe. I just pray he's not going to be a Yuuzhan Vong. That's all I got to say. <laughs> no chance. That's something that I should also kind of I, I get off my chest. I think. I think. Uh, although I think it was obviously a very kind of like sensible decision to sort of restart the EU as it was, right? And mm-hmm. I think I think it makes perfect sense. You know, it makes life simpler going forward for new readers and such like. And like a lot of EU fans, you know, it's it must be very sad for people who are really, really attached to that, you know. But at the same time, it's still out there. It's nothing that uh, a thousand other people online have, have, haven't said already. But what I think nobody's really kind of addressing at the minute is I think that regardless of, of the assurance of Lucasfilm that now going forward, we're going to have this cohesive universe, uh, that it's all going to, you know, it's all going to be connected. It's all going to be canon, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it before, many times, right? Never quite articulated so directly, but you know, we had the, you know, we had the the um, Darth Plagueis. It's canon. No, it's not, right? And I feel the same way about this. I think I think that as as they may have they may have thrown away the, the EU as it stands, but I guarantee you that going forward, if when it comes around to Episode Eight. If they want to do something that doesn't sit tight with the new established EU, they will not give a monkeys. They will just they will just not care whether it's old EU, new EU. It will not be relevant to production. I mean, we know already from you know in recent history that that you know like when they are trying to do that with with the Clone Wars and stuff that it trips over itself. I, I mean, they only needed to bring out one book when they brought out Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and I've mentioned this before. You know, uh, Luke's checking out Leia from behind and and you know, ogling her and <laughs> oh. one book, one book. And then like by, you know, by Jedi, it's kind of like, that's, that's contradicted. So for me, it's almost kind of, I understand it, but I don't, I don't, no matter how many people tell me right now, this is Canon. I'm not buying it. It's, it's as Canon as they want it to be for as long as they want. And then they'll throw it out like everything else. I think, I think eventually it will, I don't want to be too negative. I just don't want people to start on the same train that they started before which is like this is legit this is canon this is important this is significant to the filmmaking process it isn't it hasn't suddenly just become that no matter how many people tell you that it has because i guarantee you if they get a new director or if it is jj on episode eight they will not be looking at the eu they'll just do what they want to do and and that will never change i i just don't believe that they would tie their hands like that going forward i think they'll, they'll still continue to tell stories they feel like telling whether it can dick you know contradicts the old eu the new eu whatever i think it's I think it's just, it's always going to be its own thing, no matter how they sort of t- try to keep it all together. I think it's great and valiant that they're trying to do that, but uh, I'm just not buying it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not buying it. So no go. matter how noble the gesture might be, yeah. just perhaps by the, the general nature of the beast itself, it's going to be nearly impossible to police this going forward, in your I mean, opinion. Imagine, imagine if you they sort of, you know, I mean, it wouldn't happen, but like, for instance, yeah. Rid Scott, comes on board for episode eight right. not going to happen but you know really scott still comes at episode eight they're going to say well you can't do that ridley because in the book that came out last week blah blah happens what do you think ridley's going to say 
You know, he's going to tell you put that book with the sun don't shine in, and he's not going to consider it for a second, and that's never going to change. Of course, of course. And I, <laughs> I think even the most diehard fan knows that. I haven't really spoken about my opinions about this whole uh, EU announcement and everything, and uh, you brought up Splinter, the mind's eye. That's where it all started for me as far as reading the pages of a Star Wars spin-off novel, and uh, I continued to read Star Wars Expanded Universe all the way up till Kenobi of last year, and uh, I just uh, have always liked it because it, it filled an empty space at times, especially during those dark times when uh, they... Uh, the Thrawn trilogy debuted, followed by the Kevin J. Anderson books and uh, everything else. And, you know, they were hit or miss even during that period. But it was definitely continuing the adventures of the Star Wars characters that we know and love. And there was you know, absolutely nothing wrong with that. It just it started to to just crumble under the weight of under its own weight, actually, and, and became too big and too massive to manage once new Star Wars films started being created. And then, of course, the Clone Wars television show. And, and uh, the thing is, Paul, and, and you and me, we're, we're old men for Star Wars fans. And uh, I like how the younger generation is now occasionally calling us out on that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, kids. Um, but uh, I got to say this is... Uh, the thing that I was never able to comprehend was how anyone could apply a higher status and more of their fandom love toward the pages of a book when it mm. comes to Star Wars as opposed to what we see on the silver screen and what officially is coming from the minds of guys like George Lucas. And I could never understand that, but I've come to learn and accept the fact that yes, there are fans and many of them are of the younger generation who grew up with the expanded universe. They became star Wars fans with the big release of the Thrawn trilogy back in 1991. That was a heavy publicized release. That was in many, many ways, the return, Turn of Star Wars proper. The saga had returned and it was back and and we we accepted it all as being legit. At least I did. However, I never put it on a pedestal higher than that no. of the films. And I could never understand how anyone could possibly do that. But I've come to learn that there are younger fans who definitely, definitely enjoy the pages of the book as opposed to what's on the screen and they prefer that and i'm fine with that i'm, I'm good with that i didn't really even realize that that could be a possibility for a fan but something that was really kind of eye-opening for me when i realized that the expanded universe had become something that was as much a as big a monster almost as the actual star wars trilogy of films and then the prequel trilogy was i was watching this episode of gray's anatomy and one of the nurses started talking about Star Wars and she described the events of Return of the Jedi and then continued to talk about the saga, saying that <laughs> Han and Leia got married and had Jedi babies together and stuff. Here, let's just play the clip right here from Grey's Anatomy. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Yeah. Uh, Andrew? Andrew, hey, 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 listen to me. Han Solo... 
is not a loser. Han Solo got encased in carbonite, and, and that was a big mess, but that's not what he's remembered for. He's remembered as the guy who made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs and who braved the sub-zero temperatures of the ice planet Hoth in, in order to save someone he cared about from the, the big ugly wampa. He's remembered as the guy who swooped down at the last minute, blasted Darth Vader out of the sky so that Luke could use the Force and, and destroy the damn Death Star. Hey, Princess Leia saved him from the carbonite. And they fell in love, and they saved the universe, and had twin Jedi babies that went on to save the universe again. Right? Now, that's the whole picture. Cool. Cool. So what, you, what you're hearing there is, is she is just laying it all out there. And when I first heard this clip, I didn't even think for a second that she was veering off the course of a discussion about the Star Wars saga on a whole. I didn't say to myself, oh, well, she, uh, she talked about the movies. Now she's talking about the expanded universe. It all just kind of flowed together as one. And it was my sister-in-law who pointed out to me, she said, when did Han and Leia have Jedi babies? When did the, what is she saying? I said, oh, She's mm. talking about the books. That's right. I had begun to accept the whole mythology, books, films, all together as one. And there you have a mainstream example of a popular uh, network drama making reference to that and uh, puzzling my sister-in-law, but making total sense to me. And so that's when I realized I came to accept the Star Wars films and the expanded universe all as one big whole thing. However, I found myself being critical of the expanded universe because I felt many times it missed the mark a little bit. But there is a whole subculture of fandom that prefers what's on the printed page to what's up on the silver screen. And you know what? Hats off to you guys. And, And I... I feel bad if there's any fan out there who believes that 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 part of his fandom is now dead because of the announcements made by uh, Del Rey and Lucasfilm about the, the reimagining of Star Wars fiction. I feel bad if you feel like there's an element of your fandom that has died. I really do. But I mean, well, this makes me think about Jimmy. Sorry to interrupt, <clears throat> but uh, but I'm going to anyway. But. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Bateman. I know, man. I know. I blame my Irish mother. Like I'm <laughs> used to interrupting. But the the uh, the uh, there's too much excitement to hold it in, mate. But the um, I, I remember. Well, I'm t- I'm too young to remember when Star Trek was first cancelled on t- on television. But I do remember picking up you know novelizations on you know from market traders and stuff, and picking up old science fiction books when I was a kid, and and reading all these sort of Star Trek novels that, that were out there. And the Trek, you know, a lot of the Trek sort of spin off fiction just completely you know had no continuity. It it tied into the to the uh, to the TV show as as an individual book. It didn't contradict contra- the TV show generally. But it didn't care if it contradicted another novel. You know, there was just no no consideration given to that whatsoever. So, you know, you, you might find that a character dies in one book and then he dies in another book too, you know, and, and it's a totally different um, incident and it's a totally different kind of continuity. And it, it just didn't matter. And I realize, I appreciate that it, this is different with Star Wars and we've had so many years and, and, and you know, but in a way I, I kind of prefer that model. I quite like the fact that, all you need to do is pick up a book and it's not, I, I know that there are, th- there'll be thousands of readers out there who will be screaming at me. You have no idea what you're talking about, but you know, bear in mind that I've read a ton of these books too. I've got almost all the audio books, you know, and I don't think they're necessarily improved by the fact that they interrelate. 
I mean, it's great that these characters recur and it's great that we have a chance to kind of develop and, and build on stories. But to me, that's almost a TV model. It's not the movie model. And, and for me, the stories are kind of almost smaller because of that. You know, they're not like world-changing, epoch kind of, you know, uh, epoch-heavy kind of like big mythological sort of stories. And I'm not saying for a minute that all Star Wars stories have to be that. But the Star Wars movies very definitely are significant every time they come out and and for me most of the fiction because it's all tied into itself and everything becomes like a soap opera it becomes quite mundane to me you know it just relates back to itself it's not relating to a larger mythology in the same way that you know the movies do it's not got that quite often i mean i know i'm generalizing but quite often it doesn't have that kind of mythological feel and a lot of the stuff that's appealing to people from you know i mean obviously i've got a very strong visual bias you know i read an awful lot but but the visuals are an enormous part of it to me. So, you know, I do appreciate that people have a really soft, soft spot for the EU in their hearts and that these characters have become important to them. And, you know, there are, there's all kinds of media that I've kind of really kind of grown, uh, you know, an enormous love for, you know, comic books and, and books alike. Um, but for, for me, it's like Star Wars is such a visual thing that, that the idea that anybody could kind of like feel like the books are a, a, a kind of you know, more significant to them than movies to me is just absolutely insane. But I, but at the same time, then, you know, the more grown up, thoughtful person, you know, realizes, Hey, everybody's different. Everybody likes something different. Um, but you know, the only reason why I kind of get frustrated is not because I don't like the EU. I do like the EU and a lot of the stories I absolutely would love to see translated into movies. But, you know, I think I get more frustrated with the, that, that rare fan that you get on online that just kind of, you know, Starts kind of talking like the movies need to consider the EU, and, and for me that would be a disaster if they did that. I think it would it would result in such bad films. I mean, it, it just would. You know, I, I think I just think it would. But uh, I'm sure there are people out there who disagree. But however, that said, I would love to see like maybe like animated TV movies. Yep. If with a, like a like a are they calling it Legends now? Yes. The, sir. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. With a legends caveat that that basically can they can almost come just make it clear that like look this doesn't tie into the movies and it doesn't matter you know and and that's that's what I'd I'd like to sort of see I'd like to see them kind of still have fun with this stuff but just like let's let's all just stop caring whether it connects up to the movies or not you know like I still feel as though a lot there's a lot of great material out there in various different you know areas that that for me is very star warsy and 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 still feels great despite the fact that george wasn't involved in it and like like you're saying you know obviously there's a lot of you people who adore some of the books that george had nothing to do with you know and it's in in part because of the the universe that george created so he, he almost can't be involved because he built the thing in the first place it's like he wrote the alphabet and everybody's just playing with the letters you know so for me it's it's like the fact that george did just such a great groundwork initially you know to to sort of uh, undermine the, <laughs> the the importance of jo- George's role, but I think that 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 is just a massive contribution that will always be there going forward, no matter how involved he is. I think he built this great thing, uh, um, and it is going to take truly brilliant people to kind of carry it forward and make something that's that's you know as occupies such a, a warm place in the hearts as as all the other movies. But um, I just feel so positive about J.J. Abrams, even though you know there are movies that he's made that I'm kind of like, eh, you know. Other movies, I just think, wow, he nailed that. I mean, like, Super 8 is one of those films where I kind of look at it and think, this is such a Spielberg movie, I can't believe that J.J. Abrams made it. Mm. You know, And so for me, it's like, just think about it for a minute. Like, if who is there out there that could actually pull a George? I mean, there's not many people who could get close. But I think J.J.'s got a fighting chance because 
you know, if he, he pulled off a Steven Spielberg, I mean, how easy is that? I mean, it's not easy, right? I mean, I, mean, I know there are people out there who would probably dispute how good that movie is, but for me, it felt like an 80s Amblin movie. And, and it felt so Steven. I mean, to me, it felt more Steven Spielberg than uh, Jurassic Park 2 did. You know, that, that, that to me felt like it was directed by somebody totally different. So I'm really excited about the idea of JJ trying to pull a George because I'm sure that's what he'll do. I mean, obviously, he won't be able to help himself but to express his own voice. But I'm sure first and foremost is his mind is, mind is, is I'm going to make this movie feel like a real Star Wars movie because he knows how fans would react if it didn't feel that way. And this is a smart guy and it's a creative guy. And I think people need to kind of keep a little faith, you know, like I think, I think we need to be optimistic and excited about, about where these movies are going. And, and, you know, don't forget Lawrence was, was a, was a director too and continues to be a director. So you've almost got, you know, two hardcore kind of directors there sort of sitting and Lawrence, you know, he obviously directs very different kinds of movies that aren't this type of material, but Uh, it's true. The big chill needed more lightsabers. Right, and but you know, but the guy wrote Raiders. I mean, right, right. Wow, <laughs> you know. I think the the future of the saga is in definitely good hands. Paul Bateman, take a deep breath. Ah, let's just relax here for a second. I got the feeling this conversation could go on all the way until December eighteenth, twenty fifteen, and we'll be late for the film. So I got to wrap it up now. But, Paul, fascinating stuff as always. I love to have you on to hear what you've been thinking about Star Wars and the future of the saga. And uh, as always, Rebel Force Radio listeners can hear, hear you on our monthly show, Star Wars Influences. That'll be returning next week where we'll talk about all kind of cool things like uh, like uh, the, the you, you have some thoughts about what the set design and, and some of the design elements for the, the sequel trilogy will be like. I, of course, will want to talk to you about uh, your uh, work with Star Wars Insider and the uh, incredible regular series that just is wrapping up now, Macquarie Revisited. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about that making of Return of the Jedi book. I know you have a lot to, lot to say about that. So that's Star Wars Influences. It's coming to you next week. As long as you subscribe to the Rebel Force Radio Network, you will be getting that show. And of course, you can find all of our programming at rebelforceradio.com. So good to talk to you, Paul. So great to catch up with you. But like I said, if I let you keep talking, <laughs> we'll be here until the film actually opens up next December. So I'm cutting you Stop. off. You need to stop playing cricket sound effects when we're in the middle of the show. (laughs) Yeah, get D. Bradley Baker in here to do his cricket sound for us. But all right, Paul. Well, all my best to Athena and all of our friends out there in London and at Pinewood Studios. And uh, looking forward to talking to you next week on Star Wars Influences. Bye, everybody. Man, can Paul Bateman talk and talk about Star Wars? I don't think I've ever heard Paul talk so much. He is pumped up. He is excited. And, you know, sitting in my chair, I get more excited hearing fans, Star Wars fans, talk about how excited they are about the cast announcement for Star Wars Episode Seven and all the exciting things happening in the Star Wars galaxy these days. So I want to hear more. I, I crave more. I need more conversation. So... I'm happy to bring along here with us on Rebel Force Radio our good friend and your good friend. You know him from Geek Out Loud, Steve Glosson. 
I am following in the footsteps of Jason Swink right now, Jimmy Mack. I'm I'm doing the <laughs> Skype thing from my phone. That's right. That's right. You know, we've had a few problems uh, technically today. Today has uh, just been, you know, technical problems in Chicago, technical problems in Georgia. But we, we wanted to get you on, Steve, because uh, I know you, you talk about this a lot on Geek Out Loud. But just some quick thoughts about the Star Wars Episode Seven cast announcement. Well, I, you know, of course I'm excited about all the originals coming back, particularly Peter Mayhew is a standout there for me. Uh, the fact that, you know, he's got his bionic knees and he's able to, to to step back into the role of Chewie, obviously. Andy Serkis is a is is the dark horse that no one expected and no one saw coming. And, it, and it's interesting that it's a foregone conclusion for everyone that he's going to be some type of digital character, which may not come to pass. But, right. you know, that makes the most sense to look at it that way. And just the idea that they're meshing the 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 old style because you know we've all heard Abrams is shooting on on film and and this and the new style of of the digital characters and that sort of thing is really in, intriguing and interesting. Um, Max von Sydow or Sido Cedo Cedo I think is Max what we're von Cedo yes uh, Jesus from the greatest story ever told. Oh, no, I'm yes. sorry, he was Jesus of Nazareth. He played Jesus H Christ in some film, but um. He, as the villain, you know, of course, everyone's Ming the Merciless. I particularly know him most as the voice of Vigo from Ghostbusters 2. And uh, <laughs> I hope at some point someone has the line, command me, Lord, uh, to, to throw out at him. But I, it's it's interesting, especially with, um, I don't know if you've talked about this yet on, on this episode, but there's the rumors of a working title yeah. that's been thrown around, and I can't remember now what it was. I read it last night, and... The idea that he may be some dark, ancient evil, you know, coming coming to pass that that brings the band back together, so to speak. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited. The the whole idea that there's new Star Wars that they're doing this table table reading, you know, on the studio grounds and in in that black and white picture just makes you feel like you're back in the '80s. Oh, you know, it, it, it really does. It reminds you of a Starlog magazine kind of thing. And and uh, <clears throat> I can't wait to see more set pictures and leaked photos and AT-AT feet all over the place. <laughs> There's AT-AT feet everywhere these days. <laughs> what is up with that? Well, you know what? Um, you, you bring up some great points there. You, you talk about Peter Mayhew and his double knee replacement surgery. Obviously, he's he was very motivated by returning as Chewbacca in Star Wars Episode Seven, so he underwent that. I mean, it's a major surgery to yes, go through that. Yeah. But I'm I'm glad it appears that everything worked out well for him. Um, and uh, I, I I hear what you're saying about Chewbacca with bionic knees. I would love to see that actually incorporated into the script itself. Could well, you imagine what's, what's... Chewbacca jumping over star destroyers and things like that? <laughs> well, <laughs> what's funny is is if you remember the Patton Oswalt bit that he did in parks and recreation where he was filibustering the city council right i think i think you guys did it as a as a star wars and pop culture deal and he mentions like a bionic robotic chewbacca <laughs> that's right he sure does he sure does but profit uh, Patton oswald <laughs> so pat so he, he Patton gets some um some fan cred with that statement in, in your opinion right steve 
I, I just think it's one of those weird things. I was running around Celebration Six saying they're going to announce seven, eight, and nine, and I didn't mean an, a word of it. And it, you know, and it came to pass of, about two months later. So you never know what's going to happen in in the old realm of Star Wars. Well, you heard me talking about my renewed optimism about Star Wars, at least new Star Wars films, when Kathy Kennedy took over at Lucasfilm. Yeah. Now, the, the title you were, you were referring to that you couldn't remember is uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Ancient Fear. What do you think That's of that? Right. What do you think of that title? It, 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 it's a cool title. It, ha, it, ha, it feels like a throwback to those old serials, you know, just like um, not, not breakfast serials, but, right, right. you know, movies. That's uh, exactly what Paul said. Just like, uh, just like all the rest of the Star Wars titles, you know. I remember the, the only one I ever really made fun of was uh, Episode Two, Attack of the Clones. I just started going around as soon as that title came out, Attack of the Clones. But um, it, it it feels right. It feels Star Warsy you, more than anything else I've seen thrown around, and it feel it has that that classic, you know, nineteen forties, nineteen fifties movie serial type feel. And I'm, I, you know, obviously it's if it's if it's legit, it it's been put out there as a working title. Yeah. And since it's out there, that probably means it won't come to pass. But if if that's kind of the direction they're aiming in, and it, it, it I love it. I mean, everything that we've seen since that casting picture, heard about, it just put me in a in the best mood for some reason. It, it because it just feels. I'm telling you, it feels like the 1980s. Looking forward to a Star Wars movie. And now we know it's really happening. I mean, right, there, there right. are there are warm bodies filling up stages on at Pinewood Studios, and it's all to make Star Wars Episode Seven. So we're pumped up. We're actually seeing evidence of the production in action, which is the coolest. And of course, Max von Sydow, you, you bring him up as doing a voice in Ghostbusters 2. It has been speculated that perhaps he is cast as a voice actor only in Star Wars Episode 7. How do you feel about that? Would you rather see him on screen or just doing the voice? Is, is that good enough for you? You know, it, it depends on the character. You know, if it's a character that that lends himself, you know, Star Wars is notorious. You know, not just with Vader, but with so many other actors of 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 pulling out their dialogue and putting in someone else's voice. And so it very well could be. You know, he was conspicuous by his absence in that set photo or that uh, that table read photo. So it, you know, it may just be that he wasn't needed at that time for that particular. Um, a particular piece of business that they were that they were reading, or it could mean that he's he is he's doing more of a voice type work, but he's got a great voice, so who would complain? Yeah, yeah, he really does have a very good voice, a great voice, as you say, and uh, so that's all very exciting stuff. Uh, to be getting that principal cast announcement just prior to the National Star Wars holiday, which was this past Sunday, May. Fourth, may the fourth yes. be with you. And you were, you were, you were spot on just about, Jim. It, it was crazy because you were saying that May fourth date meant something to you, and and just prior to that, and I got to give you guys props. I mean, it was, it, you guys were like as as the internet was exploding, you guys were reporting on it, 
at Rebel Force Radio. You and David Collins and and Kyle coming in and everything. It was just I was blown away by how quickly I got the text, and then I started kind of looking through the Twitter feed. And I see Rebel Force Radio has posted a new episode. And I'm like, my Lanta. <laughs> that is the highest compliment you can pay us. My Lanta. I like that. I like that a lot. It was funny because I waited to listen to you guys until I actually recorded Geek Out Loud because I kind of wanted to give my own, you know, un, untainted, if you will, mm-hmm. thoughts. I mm-hmm. didn't want to, you know, springboard off of anything else that anyone else said. And when I'm listening to you guys, I'm like, guys, why don't you just pull up the caption? And then, of course, you explain that there was no caption to that photo um, when you guys recorded. So. At that time, yeah, the news was so fresh, they didn't even put a caption on the photo as we were reporting it. As a matter of fact, the, the post itself, the announcement itself, was not even cross-posted to the main front page of StarWars.com as we were recording it. It was it was very exciting. So um, listeners can go back in and check that out. It, it's our breaking news report. Um, completely unfiltered and uh, and unprepared as as we were. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, so I mean, but back to my question: Did you do anything special for May the fourth? I'm ashamed to say I did not. Um, <laughs> you didn't even I, like watch an episode of Clone Wars, or you uh... know, I there was there was a big wrestling event that night, and I had some people coming over, and so I spent the day cleaning house and preparing for visitors and getting ready for WWE's Extreme Rules. <laughs> That's great. And my my May the Fourth was was actually a, a, a very it was probably the most Star Wars activity I've ever done on. May the Fourth, the National Star Wars holiday. It was uh, it was a blast. We um, were involved in a charity fundraiser for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society at Hollywood Boulevard Theaters in Woodridge, Illinois, which is a, a suburb just west of Chicago. And uh, there we uh, we for everyone who made a donation, they were allowed into the theater for a private screening of A New Hope. And mm-hmm. it was fantastic. We got there, met a lot of Rebel Force Radio listeners, and, uh, you know, settled in. I was there with my boys and Wendy, and the kids had never seen Star Wars on the big screen before, so that was exciting for them. And wouldn't you know it, 10 minutes into the film, <laughs> the entire building loses power. No. So here we are in the dark. And, uh, you know, instantly everyone's cell phones go on. You know, a lot of people have that flashlight app. So that, you know, people started, you know, giving us a little uh, ambient light in the theater. And uh, Patrick, who is a firefighter here in Chicago, he is the guy who ran this event. And he's actually running for a Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Man of the Year. So this fundraiser was on his behalf as well as uh, the actual cause itself. And so Patrick got up and he started. He's a pretty entertaining guy. And he started just, you know, vamping. And uh, Wendy kept saying to me, she's like, you should go help him. He's dying out there. And, <laughs> and he wasn't. He, he really wasn't. But you can tell he was, he, was, he was looking for some help. So I ran over there and I said, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. And so we actually got up on the stage in the dark and 
I introduced, I, I you know, said, hey, big round of applause for Patrick. And I, I reiterated what the, the evening was all about and uh, talked about Star Wars Celebration and Rebel Force Radio. And we talked a little bit about the Clone Wars Season 6 and the cast announcement and everything. And the only lighting in the room was coming from everyone's iPhones. That's really cool. It was cool. And so uh, I vamped for as long as I possibly could. And... Um, we were done. Another big round of applause for Patrick. Everyone claps. And then he walks off the stage down the steps. And I take one step forward and boom, I fell off the no, stage. You... <laughs> it was about, yeah, it was about a four and a half foot drop. <laughs> Didn't see it coming. Hit the ground, twisted the ankle. I heard an mm. audible gasp in the auditorium for those Man. who actually could make me out in the dark falling off the stage. My kids saw it. Wendy didn't. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, I, I, I uh, sprained my ankle uh, pretty good and had to put wow. some ice on it for a couple days until the swelling went down. But that's okay. It was all for did a good you, cause. From the, from the floor, did you just shout out, it's okay. I was just reenacting the scene where the sand people attacked Luke. I was 3PO. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I looked like I was falling into the Sarlacc pit, and I didn't see it coming. So it <laughs> well, was a- Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Well, I think my son Dylan actually videotaped the event. I've been afraid to watch the recording, oh. so maybe we can add a Wilhelm. You've got to add a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> when I fall off the stage, a little. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It would be perfect. So, um, you know, but I say, hey, listen, you're not in showbiz until you've fallen off a stage, okay? That's right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, the, the whole uh, afternoon was uh, great. They cleared the auditorium, and then uh, as soon as we got to the lobby, boom, lights went back on. We're back in business, and they started it from the beginning, and everyone enjoyed a wonderful, wonderful afternoon of Star Wars magic. I mean, it's just so great to reconnect with that original Star Wars A New Hope. Any chance how, I get. How did the boys respond to, to watching it for the first time on the big screen? They seemed so pumped up when it was over. And I recognized that. I, I recognized that energy that was coming off of them. Because, I mean, it's hard to replicate as an adult, especially one who's seen the movie 500 times. Right. But you still do, in your core, you feel that sense of excitement, adventure, optimism, and appreciation for the mystical, magical arts. And, uh, you know, it's just not as obvious when you're an adult. You just don't typically go, you know, running around and, you know, letting your adrenaline take the best of you. But with a kid, you see it, you know. You can tell that they're real just pumped up by being exposed to the story in that way. So it, it was fabulous. It was just a I, great day. I remember when in, in 97 when those special editions were released. Jim, I was just an infant. I was like four months old when the original Star Wars came to theaters. And so I had never seen the original Star Wars on the big screen. And in 97, I was in college, and we organized a trip. I've told this story before. But just the feeling of of the moment of those those blue words a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away on the big screen and everything just being bigger and wider and and, you know, in surround sound, it was just – it was just the greatest, one of the greatest experiences of my life. Now, granted, there was a girl there with me that I ignored for 45 minutes as she was trying to ask me questions. But other than that, 
Um, you know, and Jim, you coined the phrase on Geek Out Loud the first time I talked to you guys. You know what? There are billions of girls. There's only one Star Wars. <laughs> I said that. So, <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm, that sounds like a great event. And of course, once again, Chicago continues to be the hub of all things Star Wars. Oh wow! Just spoken like a true swank. Yep. Yes. Sir. Well, you know, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying to follow in the big man's footsteps. <laughs> the big man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, an ironic nickname I've given him. Well, that was an exciting experience for me because when I think about it, just hearing you talk about the Star Wars Special Edition, I realized to myself I had not seen A New Hope on the big screen in 17 years. That's oh, how long yeah. ago it was. You know, they really need to release these films a little more often, I think. And we are hearing uh, we're hearing some solid buzz behind the scenes that perhaps there could be a theatrical release of some of the original Star Wars films, maybe sometime soon. Oh. Maybe maybe all six of them. So uh, we'll we'll just have to wait and see and keep our fingers crossed. Um, as far as big news breaking on May the 4th, there really wasn't anything uh, happening. We had heard rumors that perhaps there could be a title announcement, or some other casting news. But pretty much all we really got was a video, a selfie video, as J.J. Abrams himself calls it, of J.J. himself. And uh, Lawrence Kasdan shot out in London. And I'm just going to play the audio right now because there might be a little clue in here. Hi, it's a video selfie from uh, London. I'm J.J. Abrams. I'm Lawrence Kasdan. And uh, we uh, are desperately missing our families back in California. But we feel very fortunate to be here in London working on the next Star Wars script. So uh, as casting announcements continue and the uh, production ramps up, we would just like to wish you a very happy Star Star Wars Wars Day. Day. There you go. Very happy Star Wars Day from the it's, guys. It's like they were a, a, a college roommate pair in the 90s recording their answering machine message. <laughs> it really was. It does have an answering machine message vibe. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. But I got to tell you, the, the two things we can take out of that, number one, J.J. assures us that there are more casting announcements on the horizon, of course. Yep. And um, it's kind of a, a funny choice of words that uh, Lawrence Kasdan used, saying that we're working on the next Star Wars script. Now, when mm-hmm. I think he says that, I think he means we're working on the next Star Wars that you will be seeing in the theaters. <laughs> and, right, right. And, and yes, there probably is work still going on with the script. It's not uncommon for scenes to be rewritten while being shot on set. Keep in mind that uh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, Episode Four had seen a uh, fourth draft revision that was made during the actual shooting of the film, which included the death of Obi-Wan Kenobi. That wasn't even part of the story until they actually started putting it in front of the cameras. So that's pretty much all we got for May the 4th was uh, just, you know, more affirmation that, yes, there is work going on on a new Star Wars film. It's not just an Internet rumor. It's really happening. So uh, we're, we're really, you know, obviously just cannot wait to see what these guys have in store for us and something else we really just cannot wait for is star wars weekends and it's all happening it starts next week but the very first ever rebel force radio disney star wars weekend listener meetup is going to be happening on weekend number two Friday, May 23rd at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando. 
and it's going to be an incredible time. We're still kind of squaring away a lot of the details right now for the actual meetup itself, but we're looking at around, you know, sometime in the noon hour, um, and uh, the site is yet to be determined. Um, we are informing everyone who has uh, gotten a hold of us at show at rebelforceradio.com. We're letting them know that uh, the meetup is happening, and more details are on the way. Uh, weekend number two, which runs May 23rd through the 25th, features special guests Warwick Davis, Jeremy Bullock, and uh, Tia Sirkar, who plays Sabine in Star mm. Wars Rebels. And so uh, she's going to be making her very first ever Star Wars appearance. And uh, like I said, we're going to have a big meetup that day on May 23rd, the first day of the weekend, Friday. We're going to meet up in a uh, to-be-determined location within the park following the Legends of the Force motorcade and celebrity welcome. So, like I said, it'll probably be at some time in the noon hour. We'll hang out for a while and uh, munch on some Little Debbie snacks. They're... uh... (laughs) Little Debbie sending out a bunch of great treats for us, and hopefully I'll have some cool Rebel Force Radio swag to hand out, like a like a keychain or something. And uh, I'm still working on that, and then maybe we can do a group trip over to the Star Tours ride and check out some of the stage shows, like James Arnold Taylor's Stars of the Saga talk show or Ashley's Behind the Voice show. Warwick Davis is going to have a show that weekend that is coming to me highly recommended by Teresa Delgado from Fangirls Going Rogue. She is my, uh, she'll be my right-hand woman. Uh, She will be uh, helping me put all this together. She has been helping me put all this together. Teresa is a Disney pro. That's why I recruited her and why she is so valuable to me as I plan this trip. And uh, I'll tell you, we will definitely be at the performance of James Arnold Taylor's Obi-Wan and Beyond one-man show. I cannot wait to see that. I've never seen it in person. I've seen a few different videos, and James has talked to me a lot about it. I actually even crashed his rehearsal Uh, The day before Star Wars Celebration 6 began, I sat in the empty theater in the back and watched him uh, do a rehearsal. He was wearing a straight jacket at the time, and uh, I I (laughs) was just sitting there for a while, and I started feeling like, well, maybe I shouldn't be here, so I split. (laughs) (laughs) I I got to see it uh, two two years ago down at Star Wars Weekends. And it is, it's some, it's phenomenal. James does an outstanding job and he's all over the stage doing all kinds of voices and telling a great story. It's, it's kind of his story and it's really, really good. Oh, he's such a great performer and uh, his show evolves too. So if you yep. saw it two years ago, you might be seeing a lot of fresh material and looking the new forward show. to yeah. it. And then we'll hang out until the Symphony and the Stars Star Wars fireworks show in the evening. And uh, our friends from Sorcerer Radio are going to be hanging out. They're doing a marathon broadcast from the parks that weekend. Like I said, Fangirls going rogue. Our own uh, Steve Glosson will be there. Wendy and my boys will be there. It's going to be Michael Mack's birthday. He's going to be 15 years old. His birthday is May 23rd. So we're going to have a huge birthday celebration for him right there at the park. And uh, if you're interested in meeting up with us, please send an email to show at rebelforceradio.com. And uh, we'll tell you all about the uh, the meetup. It's free. You have to buy your own way into the park. But uh, once you're in there, uh, we can all get together and have a big Star Wars meetup. And just it'll just be so much fun, Steve. I cannot wait. I'm counting down the days. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's I it is so cool to be down there. It really is the happiest place on earth. 
Yes, it is. Let the memories begin. So what the sign says as you leave. Oh, okay. I was, I was like, all right, we're transitioning now. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> yeah, that obvious. Uh, can you stick around for pop culture? Let's do some Star Wars Let's and pop culture. Let's do it, man. Rebel Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. All right, Steve. Do you ever watch the Goldbergs? I have not. Everyone's telling me I need to, that I would love it. Early on in this first season, I tried to watch an episode, and for whatever reason, it just it, it wasn't resonating with me. But I've heard from so many people that I need to go watch it because they know how much I love the 80s. And so I'm going to, I guess I've got to sit down and watch it. And I know they did a big Star Wars episode this week. Well, actually, yeah. Um, the Goldbergs is, uh, it's a first season ABC sitcom, and it's uh, wrapping things up. And for season number one, I should say, and uh, it's it's very popular here in the Mac household. Uh, big Jeff Garland fans. He's a Chicago guy, and uh, and uh, we feel connected to him. And uh, the show itself is a creation of Fanboys co-writer Adam Goldberg. Adam co-wrote the screenplay for Fanboys with Ernie Klein, and uh, it was actually Adam who came up with the whole idea of finding your Death Star, blowing up your personal Death Star. That that resonated with so many Star Wars fans who saw that film. And like you said, Steve, it's set in the 80s. And um, the first season did feature many Star Wars references. I got to say, the, the most recent episode, which just aired this past week on May 6th, it's called... And you'll love the title, Steve. It's called A Wrestler Named Goldberg. Nice. (laughs) Now, the reason the the title, it's titled that way is because the older brother, Barry, is, uh, it's the main plot of the episode features uh, the older brother, Barry, who's trying to join the high school wrestling team. And uh, his mom is very resistant to this idea. But the subplot was all about the younger brother, Adam, who to me is they're they're all interesting characters. I, I love these two brothers, but um, Adam is is he wants to go attend opening night of Return of the Jedi. Mm. He's dying to go see Return of the Jedi. As all of us kids were in 1983, so it all starts up when uh, Adam is begging his sister Erica to wait in line with him to see Return of the Jedi on opening night. It was impossible to be a kid in the 80s and not love Star Wars. It was the movie that changed everything. Gave us lightsabers, the Force, and Billy D. Williams in a cape. So you can imagine how pumped I was when George Lucas decided to close out the trilogy forever. Boom! It is upon us. Return of the Jedi. That's right, they did it again. And guess what? It opens Friday at the Highway Theater. Oh my God, that's amazing. Go away. You clearly don't understand what I'm saying. More Star Wars. We get it. Star Wars is your life. But if you still want to have a life, then stop pestering me. I'm sensing more resistance than I was expecting. So I'll adjust my expectations. Instead, I'll ask that you pack a sleeping bag, some rations, and spend the night with me on the sidewalk waiting for tickets. What were your original expectations? (laughs) Don't answer that, because I don't care. Because it's not happening. Please! Mom says the only way I can do it is if you come with me. Mom only said that because she knew I'd say no. Obviously! But she doesn't know what I know. You love Star Wars. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And, And you know how he knows it is they have an old family video of a younger Adam and a younger Erica dressed up in character, Erica as uh, Princess Leia, complete with the the, the Cinnabons on right. the, the side, and uh, and uh, Adam is a uh, small Darth Vader, and uh, he threatens 
Erica says, I'm going to show this at the next school assembly if you don't take me. So he bribes her and she says, well, okay, all right, I'll go, I'll go. So Adam and Erica, they, they get to the theater, they begin camping out. In this next clip here, I want you to listen for the guy doing a Yoda voice. It's a guy named um, Sean Crosby. He's a huge Star Wars fan, and he's known, otherwise known as, Obi Sean. Okay? Okay. Now, Obi Sean, you might see him around at Star Wars events like Star Wars Celebration. Um, he's often hired by Lucasfilm in a fan relations capacity. He walks around dressed in the Jedi robes, but he has a Yoda puppet, a fully articulated Yoda puppet. And uh, that's kind of his shtick, you know? He, he walks around yeah. with the Yoda, and, and kids are thrilled to see Yoda. And so he's Obi Sean, and he's actually in this show. This is his network acting debut. So I was happy. He, he got a full credit at the end. And so just listen for Obi Sean. And uh, here he is meeting up with uh, the Goldbergs in line for Return of the Jedi opening night. Back then, you couldn't just order your seats online. You had to wait for days on end. Us Star Wars fans were the first ones to camp out. We were the trailblazers, the coolest of the cool. And everyone knew it. Well, except my sister. I want to walk down this line and punch everyone in the face. Stop. We're going to have fun. And who knows? We might make some lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. Hello. Master Yoda, I am. Sit next to you in line. We will much bonding we would do. How old are you? 46 on the 8th I'll be. <laughs> My God, you have a wedding ring on? Huh. Come on, Erica. I know you're some big high school hotshot now, but admit it, these are still your people. Okay, the old dude with the puppet is not my people. And the guy riding the dog is not my people. That dog is a tauntaun and you know it. Can't you just try a little bit for me? Fine, a little. What's up, Mama? You ever tanned him on a tauntaun? Not as dirty as it sounds. Go away. Ooh, she's as chilly as the wampa's lair. Right? <laughs> wow. Did you hear that? He's a, she's as chilly she's a, as the wampa's lair, right? Yeah. All right. And that, that guy, oh. he's dressed up as a tauntaun. He's dressed yes, up like his yeah. Luke on a tauntaun. Yeah, that, Jim, it, that mirrors so much of my life. <laughs> um, I had an older sister who was, you know, by the time when Jedi rolled around, she was... She was still young. She was she's about five years older than me, so she was eleven or twelve when when Jedi came out. But she was getting to that point in that preteen point where she was just too cool for yeah, school, you know. Right, right. And when when prior to that, you know, there, we had those moments where she was all about the Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, and so that's so funny to hear her just kind of dogging on people, and and I'm like, that's that was me. Yeah. That's so me. <laughs> Well, that's what's so great about this show is it really does kind of connect on that sort of level. And uh, as it goes on, you, you find Erica, she's starting to loosen up now. She's been in line for a little while, and uh, she starts to loosen up and get into it a little bit. We were only three hours into our Star Wars camp out, but the long wait didn't matter. I finally had my sister back. So I have a theory. Star Wars takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? Of course. So what if Han Solo is frozen in carbonite for like a million years and shipped to a planet far, far away? And that planet was Earth in 1940. And he's thought out just in time to change his name to Indiana Jones. I have so much more to say on this topic. But I drank all the soda. Dude, that's our rations. Save my spot. Yep, Erica was letting her geek flag fly and didn't care who saw it. Until her friends arrived. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. Oh. She was getting into it, and then all of a sudden, all the little princesses from her high school show up, and they see her in line waiting for the new Star Wars film. So they uh, are like, what are you doing here? And uh, she's like, oh, I'm just hanging out. What are you doing here? We're here to get cheesesteaks. Oh, I thought this was the line for cheesesteaks. Well, come meet up with us. So, uh, so she decides that while Adam is on his bathroom break, she's going to ditch the spot and uh, go hang out with her friends. No. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is, uh, this is a tough situation here. And, uh, and you'll, you'll hear some more funny Obi Sean in this clip. <laughs> Check it out. You'll go ahead and I'll catch up with you in a second. Okay. Um, my brother will be back in one minute. Will you hold this spot for me? Mm-hmm. Is that a yes? Mm-hmm. What is that? Mm-hmm. Just save our damn place. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's why he got a credit. He got an acting yeah. credit in this. Mm. Mm. He was doing the Yoda warm-up. <laughs> he, he was doing the Yoda warm-up. <laughs> I demand compensation. <laughs> the Yoda warm-up. The Yoda warm-up makes its way to Hollywood via Obi Sean. But uh, so, you know, that's uh, that's sad now. Now she's left. She's gone. She split. She ditched. The spot in line, and of course, uh, young Adam returns to find that his spot in line has been taken by the guy dressed up as the Tauntaun. Hey, that's my spot. My sister was saving it for me. Where'd she go? I can't care what your sister would do. She went to get a cheesesteak with her smoking hot friend. Come on, I just went to the bathroom for like 10 seconds. Sorry, man. But you should have planned ahead. The smart ones of us brought along someone we could trust to hold our spot in line. Others in more unwieldy costumes have rigged themselves with elaborate tubing and disposable plastic bags so that they might quietly relieve themselves even while talking to a stranger. Ah. What? Can a man awe in relief without being judged? Unreal. Unreal, you guys. Seriously? You're not going to let me back into my spot. I'm just a boy. Seriously? Luke Skywalker was just a boy. Okay? Rules are the rules. Good luck catching the Sunday matinee. Ooh. Good luck. Wow. Good luck catching the Sunday matinee. That's not what you want to hear when you're there on Friday. On I just want to call foul on the Tauntaun guy. He's not a real Star Wars fan. No, no. And, and by the way, there were no elaborate costuming going on in 1983 That's when we were standing too. in line. <laughs> I mean, when you think of those Ben Cooper costumes with the plastic jumpsuit and the mask with the rubber band. <laughs> Yes. Uh, that, that's the best we had. I saw some very impressive costuming going on in line for this. And by the way, Obi-Sean dressed in prequel era Star Wars Jedi Uh-oh. garb. Yeah, Uh-oh. prequel era. You know, the Goldbergs never really paid much attention to that kind of thing. It's, well, it, I, go, it's okay. I go back to that 70s show when they had like a, a Power of the Jedi Darth Vader. They were using as an action figure yes. for a prop. Yeah, yeah. Topher told us, you know, that he actually he called foul on that. <laughs> yes. Actually, on the set of that '70s show, <laughs> and they just said, "Shut up and hold this piece of plastic, kid." And, <laughs> but he was he was resistant to that because he knew it was inaccurate. But uh, so, um, you know, in our last clip here, uh, I'm going to play for you. It's uh, Adam. He's back home now. Okay, and he is so upset by uh, his sister's betrayal that he actually swears off Star Wars for good and tears his Star Wars poster off the wall. But, uh, Steve, not just any poster, 
This was a revenge of the Jedi poster, Steve. No. A revenge of the no. Jedi poster. And not just a return of the Jedi poster. This was revenge. Oh, that hurts. There you are. You scared me to death. Where were you? Where were you? I asked you to do one thing. Stand. Just stand there. But you couldn't even do that. And now I'll never see Return of the Jedi. Oh, please, just to spite me? Dang it! That's a collector's item! But I don't care! Why did I do this? You made me lose control of my body! You honestly want to know why I left? I didn't want my friends to see me stand in line at some space movie that I got blackmailed into by my dumb kid brother. I blackmailed you because it's the only way to get you to spend time with me. And I didn't used to just be your dumb kid brother. I used to be your friend. Oh. oh. Yeah, he knows Touching what he's moment. doing. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's pulling on the heartstrings a little bit because he wants to go see Jedi. And he knows he has to have his sister to get there. And uh, so that worked, actually, in the episode. <laughs> the, Spoiler alert. <laughs> the episode did, um, did end with uh, Erica taking him, uh, Adam, to go see Return of the Jedi. And you could tell they were bonding over the experience. And it was a great experience, a great episode. It was such a great episode. As a matter of fact, a, a special fan screening of the episode uh, with many of the stars from the show in attendance, uh, happened earlier this week at the Lucasfilm Presidio Campus Theater. And uh, that was a, a great event. And uh, the uh, San Francisco Chronicle was there. And their website, SFGate, reported, At the Lucasfilm screening, a collective gasp is heard when the actor who plays Adam angrily rips his Revenge of the Jedi poster in half. I bet, I bet. The geekiest of Star Wars fans, the author of this article included, know that Revenge of the Jedi was the original name of Return of the Jedi, and that poster that Adam ripped would be worth more than $2,000 this year, 2014. (laughs) But uh, Adam Goldberg, the actual creator of the show, was uh, there at the screening, and he said, Don't worry, it wasn't original. They basically did a dupe because I could not live with myself if they really shredded that poster. So Adam is an awesome Star Wars fan, and uh, that is a great, great episode. I strongly, strongly suggest you uh, check it out. Uh, Like I said, we watch this stuff here at Rebel Force Radio, so you don't have to, but this episode of the Goldbergs was really worth it, so uh, check it out online or on demand, and be sure to catch new episodes of the Goldbergs every Tuesday night on ABC. And I just saw online, it looks as though they've been picked up for a second season. Oh, that's great news, so expect more awesome Star Wars references on the Goldbergs in Season 2. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody! <laughs> All right, Steve, I just want to talk real quickly about our friends at Dorkside Toys. You know, usually about this time every week, uh, usually uh, many times a week, I like to go to the Dorkside Toys website just to see what's going on, see if uh, they have any new pre-orders up, any new action figures in stock, or any great bargains on action figures because I'll tell you what, there are very few places on the web where you can find deals better than Dorkside Toys. I don't think there are any places on the web where you can find better deals on Star Wars action figures than at DorksideToys.com 
The best way to get to the website is to go to shotglassdigital.com and simply click on the Dorkside Toys banner. I'm seeing there is, yes, new Star Wars Black Series available for pre-order right now. I'm going to click on that and see what they got. Um, all kind of good stuff in stock here at Dorkside Toys. And at really great, reasonable prices, you can get complete waves like Wave 4 of the uh, 2014 Star Wars Black Series, uh, three and three quarter inch. You get the whole wave, and uh, you get that uh, for excellent prices and delivered to your door. Minty Fresh, a really cool snow trooper happening way for Black Series. They, oh, that snow trooper looks cool. I've doesn't seen it? it. Yeah, yeah, that looks really good. I have to get that one. So much is in stock this week, and so much is available for pre-order each and every week at DorksideToys.com. Lots of other Star Wars figures, some starting at only $2.99. Come on, you can't find a better price on brand it's new like Star Wars. It's like $19.83 all over again. got $2.99. You will not find that at any big box store. You can go to Walmart, Target, Toys R Us. Are you going to find action figures, Star Wars Black Series action figures for $2.99? No. Impossible. Go to DorksideToys.com and you're going to find them there, along with New Game of Thrones, Magic the Gathering, Funko, RoboCop, Walking Dead, Marvel, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, DC, Pulp Fiction, so much more. It's such a great experience for a Star Wars action figure collector or collector of any of those awesome franchises I just mentioned. You get same-day shipping if you order before 1 p.m. Central and super-saving flat-rate shipping from $5.99. All you got to do is go to shotglassdigital.com, click on the Dorkside banner, and they will know that you are a listener of Rebel Force Radio, and they will take extra special good care of you. DorksideToys.com. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Billy D. Sorry, baby, it's just business. Why you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler? Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. <laughs> All right, Steve, there's been so much going on in the world of Billy D. Williams lately, mostly stemming from his Dancing with the Stars appearance. It, it, just, it just won't die. It won't die. But guess what? It's, it's done this week. I'm not doing any more Dancing with the Stars <laughs> stuff, at least for now. I actually have stuff stockpiled from because he did such a massive publicity tour for this appearance on Dancing with oh. the Stars. I have interviews with Billy D. stacked up to the ceiling that I have even listened to. So I'm going to go through them and I'm going to find all the quote of the week gold each of them have. But for this episode of the Billy D quote of the week, I'm pushing it back to 1999 and the sitcom, the Hewleys. Do you remember the Hewleys? Yes. Yes. Starring UPN, in, right? I think so. UPN. Oh my goodness. That's really, uh, <laughs> oh my God. My Lanta. Now I'm saying <laughs> the Hewleys. All right, starring D.L. Hewley. And uh, Billy D. did appear on uh, the sitcom The Hewleys. He was in a couple episodes uh, a few years apart. This clip I'm going to play you this week is from their 1999 episode called Roots Part 2. Wow. So, <laughs> Billy D. is uh, featured in the the actual episode but at the end of the episode you know right right before right as they I guess they're rolling the credits when this happened it's a camera on DL Hewley and Billy D Williams and they're both out of character just being themselves and uh 
D.L. Hewley is on to something because he realizes the potential of the quote of the week. And uh, he actually kind of eggs Billy D on to provide his sexy sexiness for a few choice lines. This is very much like the Arsenio Hall appearance that Billy D right. made a few weeks ago, where Arsenio insisted Billy D say a few things, you know, jumping on the quote of the week bandwagon as they all yep. do. But here's D.L. Hewley, a true pioneer in the, the field of the Billy D quote of the week. <laughs> yes, I'm ascribing it a field. Mm. <laughs> there is a field, and D.L. Hewley was a pioneer in that field. So here it is. This is the uh, the credits are rolling at the end of this particular episode of the Hewleys from 1999. D.L. Hewley, Billy D. Williams, and some quotes. I would like to thank Billy D., the original player, for agreeing to do our episode. This man can make anything sound sexy. Go ahead and work with these, my man. Do your thing. Do what you do. <laughs> Those pants do make you look fat, baby. <laughs> Would you like to supersize that, you sexy, shapely? <laughs> That's great, Billy. Let's go get us a Colt 45. It works every time. <laughs> wow, there you go. An innovative. Those pants do make you look fat. If <laughs> <laughs> Billy D could say that to anyone, they'd be like, thank you, Billy D. Yeah, that's right. Most of us, we get a drink thrown in our face. But when Billy D delivers that line, those pants do make you look fat, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, it works every time. Silky smooth. <laughs> What a show. What a great show. Thank you so much, Steve Glosson. I had a blast catching up with you, and we are going to have even more fun out at Disney Star Wars Weekends in just a few weeks. It is going to be a blast. I can't wait to see you there. Uh, we are invading Orlando with big smiles on and great anticipations of good times. Steve, huge, huge thanks. Uh, we'll be listening to you on Geek Out Loud, on Mark Out Loud, on all the out loud shows you do. <laughs> the the Golaverse is what I'd like to call it. I tell you what, coming to Geek Out Loud very soon, uh, I just got through reading Ready Player One by Ernie Klein. Yes. We mentioned fanboys earlier. And if you are a fan of the 80s, if you're a fan of Star Wars, if you're a fan of 80s pop culture, this is the book for you. It is out standing and i can't wait to talk about it on geek out loud coming up very soon oh my goodness i read the book i listened to the audiobook version uh done by will wheaton which is also fantastic uh ernie klein really hit the ball out of the park with that book one of my all-time favorites be sure to support our sponsors dorkside toys and little debbie snacks we love little debbie so much we'll be handing them out at disney star wars weekends if you want to email us if you want the deets about our big Rebel Force Radio listener meetup at Star Wars Weekends on May 23rd. Float us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com. Uh, if you want to contribute to the show, let your opinions be heard. Leave us a voicemail, 708-320-1737 or 708-320-1RFR. 
let's say, leave a joke, Star Wars jokes. We don't get enough Star Wars jokes. Let's get some Star Wars jokes going here. Why did the Wookiee cross the hyperspace lane? To get me the hydro spanners. That's... <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Of course, you can find us on Twitter. You find us on Facebook. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe and review. Make it good. And uh, be sure to visit rebelforceradio.com. Check out all of our programming at shotglassdigital.com. And uh, listen to Rebel Force Radio every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at srsounds.com. That's the Disney-focused Sorcerer Radio Network. The Sorcerer Radio family will be out there with us for the Star Wars weekends, May 23rd through the 25th. Can't wait to hook up with those guys as well. And don't forget, get your Rebel Force Radio t-shirt while they last at shotglassdigital.com. They're going fast. I can't believe how these shirts have been selling, and I can't keep reordering them. I'm starting to consider new designs for 2015. So if you want to get the cool, classic black t-shirt with Paul Bateman's awesome logo, distressed style on our initial t-shirt offering you don't want to hesitate you want to show no mercy you want to get over to shotglassdigital.com right now and order your shirt ashley exine took an awesome picture wearing a rebel force radio t-shirt we want to see everyone at disney star wars weekends wearing that rebel force radio shirt and of course it's never too soon to do some fashion apparel shopping for star wars celebration anaheim 2015 All right, that'll do it for this week. See you in Disney in a couple weeks. Cannot wait and cannot wait to see you, Steve. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Looking so forward to it. Can't wait to see you and the family and everyone, all the listeners down there. We're going to have a great time. Kyle Newman, not in this episode. (laughs) So on behalf of Steve Glosson, I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. You love Star Wars.